This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Friday morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. This is the program where we give you the information, the tools you need to make it through life. Today, no exception. It is Friday, however. You can you can relax if you if you uh, you know you don't you no longer need to tomorrow. Maybe there won't be a commute for you, so you won't have to listen to drive time radio or what's it called drive time radio, where you have to hear all all of us talk about Donald Trump's latest and greatest. Tomorrow, just sleep in. Just kind of get just up, you know, coast through Have the a good weekend. breakfast with your family. Enjoy the time. Try Unless, of course, freeze. you're going uh, camping yeah. with the scouts. Which is bad time. Actually, it's probably good timing. Yeah. It is the off week before the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> like, for me. Jeff, you're okay, bud. It's okay. Jeff, come on, man. Camping's fun. You don't use your toes anyway. So, camping. if you lose a couple, it's fine. Hey. If you have to lose a toe, I'd try to lose maybe, I don't know. Middle toe? Your fourth toe. Because your, your, your ring finger toe. What do you call your, that? Toe? Your little toe is apparently really important to yeah. balance. So. Oh, really? Because yeah. that's the one I would get rid of. My wife always makes fun of that one. Does yeah. she? Yeah. I, I'm not sure yeah. which one's. On me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just in general. Well, I mean, some of those little toes kind of curl underneath. They're trying to hide under the other toes. So uh, just don't lose a toe, Jeff. Yeah, right? You got everything you need? Yeah. My wife also made fun of me for the freakish size of the backpack that I packed. Oh, did you take a huge pack? It's pretty big. It's pretty heavy. But we're only hiking a mile, so I can do it. Famous last words. It's only a mile. How did Jeff die? Said the guy we found. say his backpack broke his back. (laughs) Oh, Jeffrey. We're going to miss you, bud. Till, Till Monday. You'll be fine. What time do you leave today? 3.15. Oh, good. We're starting early. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have a couple hours of daylight. Yeah, all my camps yeah. will start around 6 or 7. Just kind of minimize the exposure, literally. This is great. <laughs> uh, this, By the way, folks, tune in Monday to find out all of the excitement of what happened on the Icicle Express. Trek Express. Yeah. And, and you know what? We are uh, taking... Not bets, but yeah, kind of, sort of on how many toes he loses. Now, what if he really loses a toe? Then we're going to feel bad. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll hear all about it. It'd be a fascinating story. Of how one Monday. locker room talk about how one Certainly man. I'm not proud of it. Cut off his but toe. This is locker room talk. <laughs> this is locker room talk. Uh, so much to get to today. Um, Teresa May will be coming from. The UK to it depends on how you spell it. Oh, really? The White House press office had it T E R E S S A and T H E R R, and apparently the you know yeah. typos. Well, apparently that, so. she has one way of doing it. Yeah, and the White House didn't quite get it right. No. Um, so we'll we'll be talking about her visit. Just a lot of stuff in the news. Uh, Donald Trump has upset Mexico. President of Mexico is not coming. No. We'll get more into that. I think maybe he's not coming because he's under investigation. Says who? Why? Why would you think he's under investigation? Wasn't there something about uh, 
accepting gifts. He may or may not have accepted some gifts. Oh, I don't know. That he shouldn't have. Mm. Oh, I don't know. That's like every politician, right? Yeah, who's not under investigation? Um, so we'll find out more about that. Plus, uh, online shopping. It's such a great thing. However, it might be creating some major problems down the road because if everyone starts online shopping, where are all the delivery trucks going to park? Right. Because the more you shop, the more they have to ship it somehow. That's right. Um, there's a similar issue, Park City, Utah, yeah. is having Sundance right. Film Festival. Right. There's all these stories about how Main Street is just jammed with Uber and Lyft cars. Because all these people are, oh, let's right. do this alternative way of traveling, and now all these cars are packed into this tiny little town that's not ready for that kind See, of See, we're not traffic. using mass transit. No. And we're not using, I mean, all of a sudden, you've got, you're going to have nothing but Ubers and trucks, delivery we had, trucks. We had a guest on the other day talking about different ways we could do public transit, but right. are we even ready for that? No. Mm. It's that, yeah, our roads aren't big enough. It really is an interesting problem. And- in fact, like if you own an apartment building, your apartment building has to plan for this because if you have, you know, 500 tenants, how are they all going to get their Amazon delivery? Right. And where are the trucks going to park and how long can they park there? And do they have to start, I, you know, creating a schedule for delivery times so that trucks have a parking place? Cray, cray. But it's so convenient. So convenient. So – We'll get to all that fun. Plus, of course, um, just deep, incredible conversation and funny poll numbers, funny poll numbers and uh, more advice for Jeffrey Simpson as he goes to the Icicle Express. But first, to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? British Prime Minister Theresa May will be the first foreign leader to meet with Donald Trump at the White House on Friday with a news conference to follow in the afternoon. Sometimes opposites attract, she said, of the potential uh, to get along with the 45th president of the United States. Despite their obvious differences, May on Thursday told Republicans that the two nations must stand strong together. Former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev has called on U.S. President Donald Trump to join Russia's Vladimir Putin in reducing the world's nuclear weapons. In an op-ed in Time magazine, Gorbachev said the two leaders bear a special responsibility to stop and reverse the new arms race. He's still alive? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and he still has that birthmark thing. The Kremlin announced today that Putin and Trump will speak by phone on Saturday. I don't know if that's Saturday Moscow or Saturday Washington, because there is quite a bit of a difference of time there. Um, Also moving along, despite long insistence that Mexico will pay for his promised U.S. border wall, President Donald Trump plans to fund the estimated $15 billion project by taxing U.S. customers. At least that's what was first reported. During the press gaggle on Thursday, White House spokesman Sean Spicer said the president had decided that the wall can be funded by a 20% tax on imports to the U.S. According to the pool report, he did not give any details about that tax, how it would work, and if he described it as the beginning of a process that would be part of an overall tax reform, the White House later walked back the whole 20% tax thing, saying that eh, it's just part of a a whole menagerie of ideas we're working on at the moment, even though that's the one we mentioned first. (laughs) The media should be embarrassed and humiliated and keep its mouth shut and just listen for a while, says Steve Bannon, the president's uh, chief White House strategist to the yeah. New York Times on a telephone phone call Thursday. He goes, I want you to quote this, Mr. Bannon added. Quote it! The media here is the opposition party. They don't understand this country. During the first week in the White House, President Trump, Bannon, and Press Secretary Sean Spicer have frequently expressed their views of the dishonest media. Re- yeah. See, okay, so this this is 
just you guys don't get Middle America. We're talking to Middle America. You keep thinking we're talking to you. Right. We're not. <laughs> oh, shut up. Interesting. Um, uh, the gunman who allegedly attacked the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport earlier this month has been indicted on 22 counts related to the shooting rampage in which he killed five and injured six. If convicted, he will face the death penalty. Wow. Moving on to the final, you know, not news, but I don't know. Science Scientists may soon be able to grow human organs for transplants instead of waiting for donors. And it's all thanks to human-pig hybrids. Ooh. Ew, really? On, on Thursday, an international team of scientists announced that they had created the first successful human-animal hybrid embryo, publishing their research in a journal called Cell. These hybrids, known as chimeras, are controversial, but they, should, they could be key to the future of organ replacement by enabling human organs to be grown outside the human body and inside of an animal body. Oh, wow. Haven't these scientists seen the swining? I know. I thought of that last night when I was reading this. <laughs> it's big news for medical industry that's facing a critical organ shortage. Every day, 22 people die while waiting for organ transplants. Now, wow, that's great. The name is a problem for me because I think I, I think I have four video games at home that the aliens you're fighting are called the Chimera. Oh, really? Yeah. That, okay, so we're calling this a human-pig... Hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. Or a, an, or a Chimera? Now, a, yeah, that's what they're calling it. But a pig... Genetically, is one of the closer animals to us. Sure, right. So that's sure. that's why they're they're using the pig is because genetically there's well, it's why we love bacon, right? Right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I don't either. <clears throat> but like they use pig valves in uh, for yes. your heart. They and I guess we're less likely to reject that organ. So they're thinking, let's just start mixing yeah. pig and human, and I mean, grow organ human organs in pigs. So there's all sorts of moral questions. And- but I mean, what does that do to the pig? Like when the pig goes to a pig party, yeah. Well, I mean, and everyone's like, "You got a human organ?" Hmm. <laughs> Hear that? I so, love bacon like a, in the morning. Sounds like a kidney, maybe a nice heart or something. Mm. Liver? <laughs> With fava beans. <laughs> Should I be scared right now? Nah, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Okay, somebody serve the bacon. Right. Starving. Um, what do you do? We'll talk about that later, too. We're going to get in-depth on what happens when, you know, we just can start growing organs. In other animals. Anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's good. Yeah. It's also like that movie, uh, The Island, that I was telling you about, Michael Bay movie. Mm -hmm. Go check it out. They grow islands? They grow, well. Like the Chinese? No. They grow organs in clones that uh, rich people then buy, but they tell these clones that they're going to an island. Like this magical paradise, but they're actually being taken into surgery to have their organs removed and given to the rich people. Boy, that's scary. It's a great movie. So if anybody offers you a free trip to an island, careful. Don't go. And because now, too, there you can – there's artificial – there's an artificial uterus, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to get into a discussion about that as well a little later today, just in about 30 minutes. A lot to talk about. Um, What do you think – 
okay, so Donald Trump has has really upset uh, Mexico. Yes, and now says the, who? Says who? And now the president's not going to come. Uh, president Enrique Peña Nieto you agreed to cancel. He's not, he's canceling his meeting. Donald says, if you're not going to come and be willing to pay for the wall, don't come. It's not going to be worth coming. Don't mm. come. So they canceled the meeting. Um, plus other issues. Well, I think the president of Mexico canceled first. Yeah. And then Trump said they both agreed. Well, they even said that all day yesterday they were trying to make it work until the cancellation from Mexico. Right. So, And, it, then, I, and then there was a Mexican diplomat that drove by the State Department. Instead of going in the gate, he just drove on by. That was the report. I think Trump actually said we're having an $800 million dinner and if uh, if you can't – you know, it'd be more like a ten billion dollar dinner. Yeah, or unless you can't come to the dinner if you don't have the ten billion dollars. Cover the tab. Is it fair that that the Mexicans pay for a wall for our security? Well, I mean, because yeah. it seems like if the Mexicans were going to pay for a wall, it would actually be the Mexicans' wall. Yeah, you'd think they'd want some say in the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it would be on their side of the. Right. Didn't we just talk about this yesterday with neighbors wanting us to pay for their yeah. fence? They're not going to do it. I'm not. I mean, if I don't want it, if I want to be a bad neighbor, I won't do it. Did you see, um, by the way, President uh, Trump on Air Force One? Yes. He had a press conference to say, hey, I love this plane. This, this is a plane nice plane. Is incredible. He reminds me of, do you remember Biff Tannen? Yes, absolutely. He reminds he was, me, kind of the bully. They're saying that character was sort of built after. Trump. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So in, the, part, in part two. Part two, when but, he owned the empire and was ruining the city. I did not know that. <laughs> That's why he has that hair. Yeah. Um, but B- he reminded me of like Biff Tannen maybe as a teenager when he got a new bike. Yeah. And he's kind of the bully and he drives around, but he just sits kind of gloating about his new bike. Hey, you see my bike? Hey, well, he goes, you, you saw about his car. He loved that car. Yeah. Look then, at my bike. Then he ran into the manure truck, and he really wasn't really happy about that. Man, you guys really remember this movie. He did uh, it three times, by the way. I know. Three manure mishaps. That's weird. That's so bad. It's, it's a, a lot of manure. Um, any other th- headlines manure. we need to pay attention? Actual dimensions on the wall. 1,000-mile wall, okay. constructed of concrete and steel. I thought it was going to be 2,000 miles. You're saying 1,000. Concrete shrinking. and steel, uh, between 35 and 60 feet high. What? Uh, Trump says 8 to 12, between 8 and 12 billion. The MIT Technology Review predicts between 27 and 40 billion. Yeah, but the MIT people have never built a Trump Tower. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was all kind of in the interview with uh, 30 David to 60 Neer. feet tall. 30 to 60 feet tall. They say you'd have to bury it about five feet deep. Because you've got to stop people from digging under it. Yeah. Because they'll do that. Seems like now with the fences. Well, it seems like all you'd have to then dig is six feet. This sounds like that uh, bear hunt chant that you do with your kids. We are going to America. There's a big wall. Can't go under it. Can't go over it. I guess we have to stay in Mexico. No, I've never done that chant. You've never done the we're going on a lion hunt or a bear oh, hunt? Oh, a lion hunt. Yeah, we've yeah. Done the li- we never did the bear hunt. Yeah. Well, you know what? That might be a fun one to do with the scouts tonight. <laughs> we're going on a polar bear hunt. And you can just do the whole polar bear hunt routine wearing your Russian, big Russian furry jacket. You can't run faster than them. Hey, watch out. You can't play dead. Watch out for, like, mountain lions. Because I'm pretty sure they have mountain lions over where you are. Or also known as cougars. Not the, not the derogatory term. Now. Yeah, but there are cougars here, too. 
Lots of them. You're talking about the animal? Okay. Um, just watch out for them because I, I did just see, you know, I just saw some reports lately. <laughs> Maybe they won't be out when it's so cold. I don't think they come out when it's below <laughs> seven degrees. Ah, I feel bad for you. In a good way. You're okay, bud. You're okay. Is that Donald Trump? No. Is that you just sniffling? All right. We will take a break, my friends. When we come back, we'll be taking on the idea of online shopping and what it means to your roads and to the congestion in inner cities. How are they going to park all those delivery trucks when everything we're buying is online? Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Now, let's say, uh, have you heard of some of these companies? Etsy, eBay, Amazon, Zappos, some of the largest online retailers in the world. And online shopping continues to grow. But what does this mean for delivery trucks? Cities like Seattle that were built long before UPS and long before next day deliveries need to revamp the way they manage commercial vehicles to avoid a sea of traffic. Here to discuss her research with the Urban Freight Lab is Professor Ann Goodchild. Ann, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. This is this is really um, it's an interesting topic because we wouldn't. I mean, you don't naturally think. Oh, I wonder why where the trucks are all going to park. But I'm using Amazon more and more and more, and even to the point that I might buy my groceries that way. Um, and if I lived in a big city, I could see the trucks piling up. Is is this a real problem? Well, a couple of things. I do think about it all the time. This is your um, job, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> but I think you know, civil engineers, uh, our work is to make cities work, and the better we do our job, the less you think about it. So it, it is sort of the nature of, of, of transportation systems, of clean water systems, of quality buildings. You know, they're not supposed to be that noticeable. They're supposed to work and, and you get to go about your business. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think congestion, it, it, this is part of uh, um, a real pressing problem at the at the moment, which is we have a a transportation system in the United States that largely works on on the car uh, mm. and on um, and urbanization and uh, increasing density and increasing populations and you know lack of of growth in that transportation capacity has really led to uh, pretty significant congestion in most urban areas and it, you know another trend to add to that is online shopping and increased delivery services. And so it's, you know, when combined with these other trends, it, it is a problem. Wow. It, um, again, these cities and like Salt Lake City has pretty wide streets, um, except still trucks. And all of a sudden you start bringing in a lot of trucks. I mean, when when trucks when at one big large semi has to go to one Walmart store and everyone would go to that Walmart store to pick up their stuff 
and then drive back in their cars, um, mm-hmm. it's a little different – or take public transportation. It's different mm-hmm. than when all of a sudden that truck has to make 150 deliveries to an apartment building. Yeah. Well, so we've looked at exactly that problem. So two things. One in um, – so I'm a professor, so I can I can just talk about – for so long about issues. But um, yeah. you'll have to cut me off. Um, the one is we have this thing in, in transportation where if you build it, they will come. Mm. So, you know, the more we build roads, it doesn't make them less congested. It makes people travel more. So there's this sort of feedback between a, a, an uncongested – transportation network and people's desire to travel. Um, but we have looked at, at this issue of, you know, what's what's more travel, what's more, uh, we talk about vehicle miles traveled, uh, is that a delivery truck making 100 deliveries or is that 100 people traveling to the store and back to their mm. homes again? Because that's actually a lot of travel too. Yeah, right. Uh, it's different vehicles. They're typically personal cars versus a delivery truck. Um, but actually, in most cases, that direct you know, substitution, I mean, a delivery truck is actually better than than because uh, they'll make a tour. Mm. Um, and individual cars, people, you know, do that by themselves and, and do half of their trip completely empty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, other, that raises other questions about whether online shopping is, is just substituting for the shopping you would have done or whether it's on top of oh, wow, shopping yeah. that, that you would have done. Yeah. yeah, so you're doing both. And then, um, I mean, I guess, too, another issue is just you only have so much space anyway. And so I'm assuming are some of these apartment complexes in big cities, are, are they going to have to start rethinking Parking? Are they? Do they have to rethink just where you stage a car or stage a truck? Do they have to have post office box, you know, places blocks from your home where they can get all of this in? What are some of the thoughts they're thinking as you guys are creating this this plan for the future? What does it look like? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly what is happening now. That's what people are thinking about now, and and in a lot of places in the U.S. and and other countries. People are trying different solutions and seeing what works. You know, it's it is so new and it's um, it reflects a number of, of of pressures. One is, you know, what is the city willing to try? Uh, one is, what do customers want? And then the other is sort of the the limits of the physical infrastructure that we have. So, a lot of of sort of condos or apartment buildings um, have really had to adapt to serving as your as your receiving station for packages and I know our our my office the sort of main office at my work is is full of packages most of the time because they're doing a job that they they didn't do in the past in terms of accepting probably some home packages, but right. also a lot of, of packages for work. And we don't have a physical space to do that. So we've actually converted a, an old supply cupboard into a storage space. So I think there's some very kind of physical modifications and newer buildings. I've, I've seen newer buildings built with in, you know an intentional storage space. Um, there's also software systems now that most newer or, or sort of 
um, really managed apartment buildings have. So they'll have these software systems that allow them to to note the receipt of the package and then email you or send you a message that your package has arrived, um, and, and they're sort of tracking what those when those packages come in. Um, we're evaluating in the Urban Freight Lab, which is a, a partnership with retailers and, and carriers and building managers and city, the city of Seattle, um, what kinds of things might be good solutions for all of those parties. Because individual companies are, are trying things, right? Amazon has right. Amazon Locker. Amazon, you know, they decide where those are located and they serve Amazon customers only. Um, the city is interested in, in a shared um, possible locker system that would accommodate all companies and all carriers, and that might be at a transit station hmm. um, so that you know people taking transit could pick up their package on the way home and that would reduce trips because mm-hmm. they you know they would be using their their regular travel mode and it wouldn't require that truck delivery. It might also improve there's a there's some neighborhoods where you can't where, where people won't deliver. And so that's, you know, that's a disadvantage oh, for, yeah. for people who live in those neighborhoods. And so, uh, you know, a, a locker system that was city-sponsored would, would improve the, the access that those people had to online shopping. It's, a, it, it's really an amazing um, problem. Because it's a problem I don't think we ever could have thought about. Well, I right. the mm-hmm. average person wouldn't have thought about 20 years ago, 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and yet you, you're an associate professor and director at the Supply Chain Transportation and Logistics Center mm-hmm. for the University of Washington. A university has a Supply Chain Transportation and Logistics Center. Mm-hmm. And it's all of a sudden it seems – it's brilliant. We hear stories in the news from like UPS about how they – I can't remember if it's left turn. No, I think they always try to take right turns. That's right, yep. And everything's a right turn and everything's a right turn. But if UPS is always doing right turns and FedEx is always doing right turns and everyone – and Amazon starts doing right turns, um, it seems like the rest of us aren't ever going to be able to get anywhere. So <laughs> – and maybe that's just yeah. my naivete, but it, it's, you really do need these big players to all be a part of these solutions, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And and they can't um, – the real value in our lab is that these – this final – we're calling it the final 800 feet. So you know, mm. Amazon can, can – locate warehouses and they can operate those warehouses just like they, you know, just the way they want to. It's a controlled environment. They can design their supply chain just the way they want to, you know, with their information systems. But this last 800 feet, they don't control uh, because parking is, is a shared resource that the city manages and there's a lot of people competing for that curb space. You know, the sidewalk mm-hmm. where they have to walk to make that delivery is a shared resource with lots of goals, you know, not only to serve those delivery companies, but also for you and me walking and for signage and for restaurants or cafes. Um, and then the buildings themselves have a number of objectives and, and different ways in which they can receive goods. And, and security. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it's not like you can just go up to the door. Right, right. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, that's, it's different at every building. So this is very messy, this mm. last 800 feet. And, and any individual, like a city or a building or a delivery company, they can't control it themselves. And so they need to come together. And 
and work together and, and balance the different objectives and understand the problem from each other's perspectives. And so that's really what we've created with the lab. And, and out of that, we will come up, you know, we will produce solutions that balance some, you know, security and, and equity and, and opportunity and, and cost and um, mm. environmental impact. And, and so we're looking for what those solutions are. And we've, we've just begun with, you know, mapping what that process looks like. It's quite different in a historic building mm. in, in the oldest parts of Seattle, which were built before cars. Oh, um, wow, yeah. Have, you know, they have a very different infrastructure uh, than a new building, which is, you know, a new condo building downtown, which um, is designed very differently. So what solution you might use is, is quite different in those, those different building types. So we've, you know, we've begun that work, and there are some, I mean, it's fascinating just to see how the system works, and there's some really neat, you know, there's tunnels under the city, and there's there's turntables for trucks, so they don't have to make... Oh, like, the, yeah, yeah, you don't have the 18-point turn to get yeah. that semi around. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So there's some really, really neat things, and we haven't, you know, we, we actually have, we, I mean, the city, and, and I guess us you know, collectively as, as communities don't have good kind of maps of that infrastructure. We, we know where the on-street parking is but mm-hmm. because a lot of this infrastructure is in private buildings. Yeah, or in alleys or, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, just establishing where is that infrastructure so that we can look at the questions you mentioned, like what is, you know, the capacity of the city to accept deliveries and how do we improve that or how do, if we want to modify it, what 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 impact would that have wow. on, on on the delivery company's ability to make do their work? Yeah, you know what? And it's let's take a, let's take a break and come back and keep talking about this uh, the impact online shopping is having with our delivery trucks and systems, and also the impact that now you're going to you're going to need to get cities involved, zoning, planning commissions, um, maybe some taxing or tolls or fees to support all of this growth. Plus, what technology can do? Will, will advancing technology allow companies to partner better on their scheduling of deliveries? Hmm. What happens if FedEx, UPS, Amazon, all these trucks, you know, were in sync for their deliveries and they came one after another instead of all at the same time? Interesting question. Stick with us, folks. We'll continue the discussion with Dr. Ann Goodchild. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Online with us is Dr. Ann Goodchild, and she is the an associate professor and director at the Supply Chain Transportation and Logistics Center for the University of Washington. Today, she's helping us walk through the the issues of as online shopping goes up, we need to somehow transport all of that, all of the the goods. You know, everything you're buying has to somehow get it to your apartment in downtown Seattle. The problem is the trucks are going to get backed up. A lot of these uh, of the cities in our country weren't designed to um, have a lot a lot of huge trucks delivering um, thousands and thousands of items every day. So 
We appreciate you, uh, Dr. Goodchild. Thank you again for being with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Talk about um, the technology. Uh, I'm assuming one of the benefits of the future would be, you know, the integration of technology and um, maybe some of these companies could partner on some of their scheduling programs. Maybe the trucks could show up up in an order. Uh, Is technology going to impact and how do you see it happening? Yeah, so I think there's te- there's technology. So right now when you buy something online, say you buy something from Amazon, um, it's very seamless. It's very easy to do. Right. They have that one-click ordering. And the delivery process is not so seamless. You ever tried, you know, it, it, they're, they're working on it. Yeah. But, you know, trying to track your delivery, trying to figure out where it is, and if you can figure that out, how to redirect it somewhere, that is is not as seamless as the the purchasing process. And so, I think that technology, and it can be, you know, I think there's some there's some market reasons why it's not quite so seamless, but there's technology that's going to improve that delivery process for us. And one of the big costs or, or inefficiencies in the current system is is failed deliveries. So it's quite a high percentage. It can be sort of up to 30% of, of packages have to be attempted more than once. And so that's, you know, that's two trips instead of one. Yeah. You know, that's a big waste. Right. And so if we can reduce that number of failed deliveries, that's going to have a big improvement. And so we don't want, that's one of the reasons that, that lockers are a desirable yeah. solution because you don't need to be there, but it's still secure. Um, and the other is if you can track or you can get online and you can, you know, if you know you're not going to be home, you can redirect a package somewhere else. So I think there's a couple of ways that we can use technology, both kind of the software and information side, but also the hardware, the locker side to just reduce the total number of trips necessary. we It has to be delivered once, but it does not have to be delivered more than once. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, if, the if the truck way, could be so organized that it all goes to one building, one truck, one delivery, one drop-off, one time. Yeah. And, you know, a single company that wants to do that because it's cheaper right. for them than, you know, sending three trucks. But... Because we have yeah numerous carriers and numerous mm-hmm. companies doing this work, yeah you know at my own house I might have three different delivery companies visiting my house in a day. Mm-hmm. So that's that's you know if that was all done by one one company that might be one trip. But you know we we have competition in our transportation system and then there's a value on that competition. So it's it's uh hard to navigate and and figure you know where do we encourage cooperation or yeah. i think we're i think they're we're not interested in in controlling that but but encouraging um it's efficiency and and there's a very natural desire for efficiency because it's cheaper that's for right delivery save money themselves. is yeah, um yeah. it also seems like so many of us spend eight ten hours of our day at our workplace. Mm-hmm. That if I could have my stuff delivered to my workplace and my work just saw that as a perk or a benefit, yeah. um, that maybe I had a, a little valet that would help me carry it to my car. I mean, you know, yeah. businesses could take care of their people that way as well. 
Right, yeah, and there are some services. I mean, Volvo had this service. I'm not actually sure if they're still still doing it, but they would deliver to your car, so the person would have access to your trunk, and you know they could actually just put it instead of bringing it to your work, hmm. bringing it to your house, take bring it. it to your car. What a great idea! Oh, yeah, yeah, they already know where your car is. They stick it in your trunk, and you know that's fine if someone has access to your trunk. Yeah, and then you just drive home with it. So, like you know, it mobile. Phone, you know, mobile phones, smart devices, the you know, GPS data, remote access, those technologies open some doors for some really neat, efficient solutions to, and and they're usually focused on just trying to use the trips that we already take, mm-hmm. and you know, take advantage. You have a lot of extra room in your car, yeah. Um, so you know, if, if if you can take advantage of that, that's already going to be. That trip's already going to be made. You know, how can we exploit that with with the information and technology that we have? And we can, and it you know requires some some development of of, of neat logistics systems. But um, we're training people to do that, and and so I think you'll see a lot of innovation in that space. There's a lot of, of startups trying to trying to work in that space right now. So so really, it's it's a, it, it, this is going to demand government. Uh, all of the big shippers, um, mm-hmm. involvement from the actual customers and users, building owners, real estate developers. This is this is demanding a, a kind of an integrated solution. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why you know that's why we've set up the Urban Freight Lab to bring them in um, because this can't be done without collaboration mm. or you know people will do things but they won't be as mutually beneficial and they won't have as much impact on on city living on urban congestion as they could and yeah we, we really think that we will make faster progress with this problem through collaboration plus I guess I didn't even think of that but even the design of trucks and design of yeah. semi I mean these these delivery trucks Maybe need to maybe you need a, a you know an inner city downtown small old historic model or version of a truck that can mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. fit. Yep. Yeah. And so and though the other thing that you'll people are trying is sort of a mobile warehouse. Like you bring a bigger truck, you know, maybe into downtown, and and then you leave it in one place, and then you have little mini maybe bikes, or mm. you have Maybe they're little robots who you know aren't, aren't who operate by themselves. Um, actually, do delivery from this sort of mini terminal, oh. so you don't have to move that really big truck. Yeah, and they just keep making city. trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say poor robots. Maybe that really big thing, you know, can come down in very early in the morning when there's not so much congestion, and and you know they can do that quietly, and then you can have you know, and maybe they're even delivery guys with with hand trucks mm. but they can if if the city's really dense you know that's yeah. that's practical well i didn't even think of the time just i mean we always think that this all needs to be done you know eight eight in the morning to five at night but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe it's really going to be eight at night to five in the morning yeah yeah and there's been new york city has has done a lot of work on this but trying to can we use like, like the, the road system isn't over capacity because if it was there'd be a, a permanently building queue like a permanent traffic jam that doesn't happen every night it clears right because every night there's less demand than than supply 
So we, we, you know, can we use these nighttime hours or maybe early morning hours or, or late evening hours um, to do some of the trips that, that happen now during the day that, that solves congestion without having to build new, you know, new roads. And, you know, how do we motivate people to, to, to move to earlier times? We as workers don't want to work from, you know, right. Four in the morning till two in the afternoon, but uh, uh, delivery companies are actually, sometimes quite happy to do it and they're doing it anyway right i mean yeah and, and if it hires more people and you can eventually move up into days right and it's you know it's it's faster and it's, yep. there's less hassle, oh yeah there's less other people around um but you know how do you make sure you can make your delivery if there's no one there to right. receive it you know again you might need some sort of locker or access to their building yeah yeah maybe. if you had other solutions yeah, yeah that'd be easier yeah well yeah. i think this yeah. is uh, it's good to know Anne, and it's good to know that you're on the case because mm-hmm. the rest of us would just you know be surprised by all of this in 10 years mm-hmm. when no trucks can make it through the city well we appreciate your time and your energy and your work keep it up and we'll have you back uh, as as your research progresses there at the supply chain transportation and logistics center for the university of washington and good child we thank you very much we will take a break when we come back uh, we're going to be talking and having a new segment with one of our newest producers we'll be introducing her along with um, some interesting talk about organs, human organs, and pigs. And what happens when we just start, you know, farming out organ creation in farm animals? Is that a problem? This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. What we always like to do on the show is help you see the many things that are going on in the world and uh, give you some insight uh, so you can, you know, talk in, in, you know, intelligently with the people that you uh, hang out with. Joining us is McKenna Baus, one of our new producers. How are hey, you, McKenna? I'm doing well. She's, uh, what are you studying, McKenna? I am double majoring in public relations and Chinese. Are you serious? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to quiz you on Chinese really fast. She, she. Uh, Shishia, thank you. Shishia. There you go. That's the only thing I know. That's a good one to know. <laughs> That's it. Uh, now, McKenna is, as one of our producers, she's also over social media, but McKenna's very, very smart, and as all of our producers are. Oh, you're giving me too many, much but, credit. But here's what, I, here's what we're going to talk about. McKenna is going to bring up a topic that is kind of like a wow topic, like, that's weird, and yeah. that's happening, and then... We're just going to talk about it, and Jeff's going to chime in because he's got a lot of insight on on this topic, especially. Um, uh, so, McKenna, what's today's kind of crazy? I can't believe this is happening. Topic. Yeah. So earlier today, we were talking about chimeras and that whole weird idea of animals, things. I guess that yes. are part one thing, part another. In this case, they have started growing human organ cells very very early stages yeah in pigs so so we're growing a kidney cell not necessarily a kidney well right now they're at the stage where they're just trying to see if they can get the stem cells that they put into the embryo so they took stem cells from a human yeah. put it into a pig embryo okay and seeing if those stem cells will help direct 
how this how the how the, how the embryo pig, grows exactly. and develops. And they've gotten to the point where they've seen that yes, it does help work. They've also done it with other animals successfully. They've gr- grown like um, pancreases in rats with mouse cells what? and then taken those pancreas from the rats and put them in the mice. You dirty rat. So they take uh, – oh, interesting. So they're actually able to then do it with rats. They've gone through the whole process from beginning to end with rats and mice, yes. Well, they already made a movie where they do it with humans and it was uh, made by that famous documentar- documentarian Michael Bay. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's called The Island. Yeah, you keep bringing and they did it, it up. With humans. You love The Island. It's a great movie. It sounds, anyway, it sounds horrible. So, um, but right now they're only testing it with cells, and they're going to see if the human cells how they grow in the pigs. Mm-hmm. But it could feasibly grow a human kidney. Yeah. So we're a little we're, we're several down the road. Yeah, we're down the road from that. Um, I have a friend that needs hope. a liver, and if this works. It, honestly, it could be – it could Life save changing. lives. Yeah. So right now there's approximately 22 people who die waiting for organ transplants every day. Uh, there's over 76,000 people who yeah. are waiting on that list. And so we have a serious shortage yeah. in terms of organ donation here in the U.S. It's a big problem. And so they're looking at saying, well, if we can grow these organs – why not? Why not? Now, it's really nice if they can, you know, do it in the animals because growing it in other humans mm-hmm. like the island, that's obviously problematic. <laughs> well, then you got you to gotta kill the human to get the organ. Exactly. That's the concern. But, uh, but if you're a pig lover, you're, you're going to kill pigs too. Yeah. But I guess these are special pigs. And then afterwards, you oh. can have some bacon. Do you smell bacon cooking mm, again? It smells good. I'm hungry. I love maybe some bacon. Um, so th- that's one side of this. The the is what's what's the downside? Because eventually you could replace. The, we already use pig valves. We're already doing this. Yeah. So ethically, apparently, it seems it's pretty okay, good. But there's this concern. There was um, some studies that were done with chimeras and stuff a while ago, and they took a very specific kind of brain cell and put it in mice, and the mice got a lot smarter. So you have this risk of what if these pigs become a little too human? What happens if it gets into their reproductive tract and are you having half pig, half human babies? Oh, boy. Yeah. I think we already have that that. too, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) You can't say that, Jeff. No, that's true. Um, But And then – or what if – yeah, brain cells are a whole different game Mm -hmm. because what if we start growing a brain that – has a prefrontal cortex in the pig, and they actually start figuring out how to make pants. Yeah, I mean, and we, now they start putting on pants. Uh oh. And making cartoons. So the the best farm. thing about being half pig is that you wouldn't have any sweat glands. So it's not you'd bad. be a cleaner. I would be down with. Yeah. That. Well, maybe that's that wouldn't be a bad thing. But see, then all of a sudden you can start making bits and you start making a superhuman or a super. Chi- what, are they, what are they called? Chimera? Chimera, yeah. Oh, brother. Okay, we got to go. But this is this is important to be thinking about, folks. It will save lives as far as organs go, but it also might create some, serious... some seriously smart pigs that are going to retaliate. Planet of the Apes, anyone? Oh, scary. Good job, McKenna Bouse. We'll, uh, we'll keep doing this regularly, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Matt here. Top of the morning to you and happy Friday. Today, what a day. Happy Chocolate Cake Day. One of the greatest days, I think, on the face of the earth. The day you celebrate chocolate cake. It's been with us for over 150 years. Close your mouth when you chew, Jeff. Sorry. Uh, having It first came on the scene in 1764 when it was discovered that grinding cocoa beans between heavy stones produced cocoa powder, which could then become chocolate. Mm-mm. The guy was just trying to build a fire. Yeah. Just trying to build a fire, hammering two rocks together. Come on. Anyway, lots of um, lots of good with Chocolate Cake Day. It's also International Fun at Work Day. Lay down a beat. Start shaking it. It's all about enjoying yourself. Today's the day you dress up silly for work, participate in office-based mischief, or just crank up the music really loud while you work. I have a feeling we'd get in big trouble. Yeah. All those emails we get about yeah. proper open office format. Well, because you, get, you got a lot of people hanging out and you can't have everybody playing their music. Right. But it seems like we could rotate. <laughs> the, no. the classical 89 people will turn up their music really loud, but it's not you know, going to sound any louder. That is one of the beautiful things about working where I my office is located... Because we have a live performance studio, and about every two weeks they'll bring in some incredibly talented tuba musician. Section. I haven't heard the tubas. You haven't heard the tubas in a while? But like violins, cellists, oh, it's amazing. I just get to sit there while I'm taking my nap, my midday nap, and my afternoon nap. Beautiful stuff. Welcome to the show, my friends. We got a lot to cover today. Um, it, again, Donald Trump's still at it, President of the United States, and he really is changing. He's changing a lot of the 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 ways that historically we've done business, the, how we handle stuff. I mean, it used to be that the presidency was the most um, predictable institution because you needed a predictable institution. But I think Donald has a different idea. Shake it up a bit, and then you know everybody can. See how they handle it. <laughs> Scary. Some people are terrified. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about him. I'm sure we'll cover more of his information in our news headlines with Terry in a second. Also, we'll be talking with a fitness expert about uh, one woman's emotional road to fitness. Second generation bodybuilder. And she's going to talk about um, she's now built a, 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 a business for um, for those that lift, like weightlifting, and especially females and diet. But she's going to tell about a story about her mom and a diagnosis that changed her life and how it's how it's impacted her view of how to become the healthiest version of yourself. Jenny Grothy will be joining us. Also, we will be talking about uh, do a little tangent with Leanna Tan. Five strange things she used to do as a child. Hmm. Many would say she's still doing a few of them. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. We'll find out about that. And also we're going to find out from Jeff Simpson a little bit more about his uh, icicle um, freeze fest that he's going to tonight mm-hmm. with the the 16-year-old scouts, I guess, is, and uh, we hope you survive. 
So this is a bodybuilder that's coming into the studio. And by the way, she I, she could break you and me. That's kind of intimidating. With two fingers. Mm. I was at a jazz game and uh, had really good seats. And I look over and I see this woman's arm and her – what's this called again? Bicep? No, this part. Tricep? The tri- her tricep was popping. She didn't mean to. She was just leaning over talking to somebody. And I looked and I, honestly I said, look at that tricep. I didn't say that because I couldn't remember what it's called because I have yet to find mine. Um, and it was just popping. And then Jenny Grothy looks over and I, I see Jenny. And I'm like, it's Jenny Grothy. And I, I worked with Jenny a long time ago. She's huh. amazing. So we'll get to that. Um, Maybe and, she'll flex for you. Whatever. Well, she did it. She she got into incredible bodybuilding shape at, at a late age. Yeah. Usually it's a... They call it an old man sport because you yeah. start early and build up. Yeah, and it's hard to start late and you know see that kind of progress. She had a baby and she saw I've got to lose some weight, and at thirty-seven, she lost some weight and wow, and built one serious tricep, actually two. Um, but first, let's get to the headlines. We'll get back to all of that. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country we need to pay attention to? As we've been talking about, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer on Thursday said that President Trump plans to fund the construction of a border wall with Mexico by imposing a 20% tariff on Mexican imports. He later backtracked on us, and that's one of many different ideas. Senator Lindsey Graham took to Twitter on Thursday afternoon to warn the dangers of imposing such attacks on Mexico. Any tariff we can levy, they can levy. Graham wrote, noting that to Mexico is U.S.'s third largest trading partner. And then he offered much or offered this explanation for why imposing such a high tax on Mexican imports would be mucho sad. <laughs> That's the he's, story. But he's mad because Mexico has some great products that he uses. Right. Usually alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. which we don't use. But he says it would be mucho sad if all of a sudden you had to pay 20% more for those beverages. Mucho sad. Texas sends 38 lawmakers to Congress, 36 House members, two senators, 25 of them are Republican. None of them are willing to endorse President Trump's plan for a Gulf-to-sea border wall. Not all of Texas's congressional delegation necessarily opposes the wall, but when the Texas Tribune asked about Trump's signature policy issue a few weeks ago, none would go on the record as thinking it was a good idea. Some, like Senator Ted Cruz, were in support of completing part of the fence in Arizona. Yeah. Not in Texas. Because, I mean, you're looking at, like, beachfront, and there's a national park. Well, and if you just look at a beautiful vista... A, from Amer- United States to Mexico and then a big wall, it's kind of ugly. Others fretted about using element, uh, eminent domain to seize land from ranchers, often family land passed down for generations. And you, what if all of a sudden, because they don't just make it right exactly on the border, yeah, you got to go where the land can yeah. hold it. There's a golf course, I think, right in that region. <laughs> right in the middle so. of a golf course, you're going to have to hit it over a 60-foot wall. And you got the whole Texas sovereignty, that, that feeling they have, and yeah. you start imposing that upon them, they're going to get angry. So. What if, honestly, Canada was doing the exact same thing to us. Yeah. Would we pay for their wall? No. Right. That was explored in the TV show I watched. President Trump is reportedly preparing a directive calling for U.S. forces to be more aggressive in fighting the Islamic State in Syria, a move which may pave the way for U.S. US artillery and ground attack helicopters mm-hmm. in the area. Well, this might be part of the quote-unquote secret plan that he talked about during the presidential race that he wouldn't talk about. Oh. But we're not sure, and he wouldn't actually talk about it because, you know, it's a secret plan. Right. You don't know. You can't talk about secret stuff. 
Still reeling from the 2016 losses, but already looking ahead to 2018, 10 Senate Democrats who are facing election or tough election contests in states that voted for President Trump. So Democrats trying to get elected in states that voted for Trump uh, went to Shepherdstown, West Virginia on Thursday to learn how to, quote, effectively market themselves to real people. Wow. Prominent on the day's agenda was a discussion with Trump voters session moderated by Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who was among those 10 Democratic senators prepping for a a difficult re-election campaign. Other sessions have titles like Speaking to Those Who Feel Invisible in Rural America, Listening to Those Who Feel Unheard, and Rising America. They feel unheard, too. There's a lot of unheard topics going on in these meetings. What was that? What? Yeah, huh? Unheard. You didn't hear us? And uh, finally, the public policy polling. Oh, boy. They, they, they polled America, asked them some questions about topics that have been going on recently. Yeah, yeah. 50, 59% of voters think Trump needs to release his tax returns. Yeah. 32% say it's not necessary. Are we still talking about that? Uh, it came up this week, right? <laughs> okay. 61% thinks that Trump needs to fully divest from his business interests. The 28% don't think it's that big a deal. What's the big deal? 13% of voters have a favorable opinion of Russia to 60% with a negative view of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it goes on. They have 18% of voters think Trump's inauguration had the biggest crowd ever. In the history of the world. 62% don't think it did. Right. 34% of voters uh, do still say they think he had the biggest crowd ever, though. So, I mean, it's all mm-hmm. over the place on that one. 29% of voters th- overthink, or overall think that Trump's inauguration had a bigger crowd than the Women's March that had the following day. Boy. Uh, the upshot of all this, 35% of voters already say they're supporting impeaching Trump. 35%. Uh, 50% said they're not for that. I'm going to bet that was the same people that voted for Hillary Clinton. Right. And this is the one that caught my eye. Yeah. 42% of Trump voters think he should be allowed to have a private email server to just 39% who think that he shouldn't be allowed to. No, it's interesting. I wonder who they are. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Donald, don't have a private server. He, he wouldn't need a private server because he probably he doesn't use email. Right. So How many of these people think Twitter. he should have a Twitter account? And finally, one percent. Here we go. Eighteen percent of voters think it's acceptable to punch a Nazi in the face. Eighteen percent is That's all. That's it. Yeah, you think that'd be a little higher? I mean, if you can't punch a Nazi in the face, who can you punch in the 15, face? Fifty-one percent say it's unacceptable. Thirty-one percent are unsure on the moral quandary of our times. Well, what, what are, where are the rest of the people? That's only like fifty percent of the vote. You got fifty percent, eighteen percent, and thirty-one percent. So okay. it kind of sounds like Nazis are becoming more popular then. If only 18% of the people or they're saying, punch them in the or face. Or they're just saying you can't use violence. Wait a minute. Now, are these current Nazis or World War II Nazis? They didn't. They, they didn't? Okay. I don't know if there's a point. difference. They don't. Uh... It might just all be Nazis. But yeah, so. That's crazy. They don't discriminate. The dumb questions that are asked. But... See, this is why the, Donald Trump has tipped over the entire world. Nobody knows what to think. No. Nobody knows how to react. Nobody has been this publicly upsetting. And it, again, we have to think he's either crazy, an idiot, not so smart, or he he's doing this as a method. And if you see it, uh, you watch the news, both of those theories are being pushed at the same time. Right. He's, he's an idiot, but at, or at the same time, he's devilishly smart. Yeah. And it's like he can't be both people. Pick a pick well, and, and another one that could be true, yeah, he could be impulsive and, uh, you know, incapable of holding back. And he also has a plan. Yeah. Distract, 
And because he needs a hundred, it takes a lot of time to get stuff going. So, in fact, they're saying half of these executive orders he's doing, they're not even, they're not operable. You can't start, it's just an initiation to start 60 days of looking well, into something. And there's a problem because there's some legalities involved. Right. There's, can you, like, yeah, he talked to him about the pipeline. They want all those pipes made in the United States. The steel, Yeah. There's some issues with that. Well, we may not have enough steel. Right. We may have promised our steel to other places. But also, again, it doesn't matter because he's yeah. talking to the steel workers. It's fine. We, we need your steel. And he's still running for office. Again, it's brilliant. And then many are saying if he would just quit creating the other smoke screens, then he'd be getting a lot of play. Except, I personally believe, mm. he'd be getting more uh, people looking into his thinking and his ideas so he'd probably get more blowback. Right. So then you send Steve Bannon to the New York Times to tell the media to shut up and then it causes... Then everyone has long, long segments last night about, is this right for the government to tell the media what to do? And he's very right. I think Bannon's Bannon's right. They don't get... They don't get middle America yet. They don't get them. No. And so Trump gets them, but he also probably... Is over. He's he's what's it called? He's oversimplified. Does he get them, or does he know what buzzwords to say? He knows that he because every remember everything he says that's extreme. A certain group of people. Well, yeah. The the all right. Yeah. Too especially they buy it. They believe it. It's right. So he's shoring up his base for something. Um, I hope he gets his email server. No, you don't. No, you don't. Okay. Okay, will you turn that song off? Are you uh, not uh, patriotic? No, I am very patriotic. It's just I've heard a lot of that it's song. It's the Trump anthem. Let it go. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, bring, it's the president. Um, um, here's the deal. We, we are on a mission to help a woman in Florida. Um, she's asked police to help her find her teeth. This poor woman, Florida woman, couldn't find her teeth or her shoes, so she asked deputies to help her find them. Lake County Sheriff's Office deputies who found the 31-year-old while responding to reports of suspicion person trying trying to enter homes around 1 a.m. Friday were very helpful. They found her dentures and her pink tennis shoes almost immediately inside a nearby stolen car. Police found the stolen gray Kia with the lights on and the door open. It was out of gas. The woman who police said seemed to be under the influence quickly claimed ownership of her teeth and her footwear, but told police that she was only a passenger in the car and she didn't know who was driving. She was uh, later um, she was later uh, arrested. So whew, luckily, this woman apparently was in the car that was stolen uh, and then lost her teeth and dentures and started knocking on doors and then they found her. And then they arrested her for stealing a car and gave her her dentures. But it brought up a really important um, point from one of our sponsors. This is kind of a big problem that people have. There's a lot of people that lose teeth. I mean, we're talking adults that lose their dentures or that lose their grill. You know, a lot of people have grills now, like those silver, shiny gold grills um, or just whatever, what have you. So one of our sponsors, Diddy Dental has um has they have a solution and we we we've asked Ron Brokaw who's a spokesperson for Diddy Dental to to tell us about the new set, the new solution for any of you out there that might be afraid you could lose your teeth 
We all know that for over 10 years, Diddy Dental has been improving self-esteem by giving customers grilled smiles that say, Look at me, I'd like some attention. But did you know that Diddy Dental also makes dentures? Dentures that say, Look at me, I told you I still have all my teeth. But what happens when your dentures go missing? That's where the denture accessory experts at Diddy Dental come in. Introducing the Chomper Beeper, one of the many products from the new Tooth Sleuth line by Diddy Dental. All of Diddy Dental's dentures are installed with sensors that detect signals from a keychain beeper. And with the simple press of a button, the Chomper Beeper will find your teeth as long as they are located within 500 yards. Amazing! Just hear what one of Diddy Dental's satisfied customers has to say about the Chomper Beeper. The other night, I couldn't find my dentures, so I pushed the button on the keychain and was able to find them in seconds. Turns out they were in my mouth the whole time. I just couldn't feel them because I had a big chunk of bread stuck over my teeth. Thank you, Chomper Beeper! Chomper Beepers by Diddy Dental. We're bringing dentures back. Welcome back, friends. You know, in America today, obesity rates are about 20% in nearly every state. Food is getting faster. Technology is gluing our eyes to devices, making maybe making us a little lazier at times. And uh, our guest today, Jenny Grothy, now a bodybuilding business owner, decided that she was going to take her health into her own hands and begin lifting weights. After a few years of riding an emotional roller coaster, she's here with us today to tell us more about her personal fitness journey and the, a diagnosis that changed her life and how she sets her goals to become the healthiest version of herself. She's an old friend of mine. And I remember you, Jenny, back in the day, uh, we worked together at Franklin Covey, Mm -hmm. and Jenny was a cute little mom, just cute as can be. And this, and then, and then uh, we went to de- different companies or different departments. But you, this is kind of where it all began. It seems like right after that, wasn't it? Yeah. Talk about talk about how you go from mom, non build bodybuilder, yep. to now this ripped mom with an, a seriously big tricep or two. Well, <laughs> yeah, I hope it's both. <laughs> yeah. you Not are, just the you one. You only got one. I only live <laughs> only, with my right hand. <laughs> exactly. I'm right-handed. Yeah. No. Um, well, you know, after Franklin Covey, um, I started working on my own, and I was actually working in publishing and advertising, um, but I just did not have great habits. Yeah. And so None of us. I just— I mean, a lot of us don't. <laughs> I actually got really heavy there for a while, and by the time I reached um, 37, I was at my heaviest weight, and I had, you know, I'll make this really yeah. really fast, but I had reflected on my mom when she was my age. She was a bodybuilder, and she had been working out and had done, you know, the Jane Fonda thing and the Richard Simmons thing and mm. everything else. But by the time that she was 40, she um, was competing. So I always had that kind of in the back of my mind. And here I was, like, at my heaviest, and I thought my How my old mom, were you? I was 37. She, so your mom was, was a older. bodybuilder at 40. Uh-huh. And you're 37, but you always thought, I got, I could be fit like mom. <laughs> like, why can't I be fit yeah. like my mom, you know? 
So it was that was kind of the turning point when I was that heavy yeah. um, that I decided to, to finally take health into my own hands. And we've talked about some of this before. I tried a number of different things, but through a lot of common sense and just making smart choices and eating much healthier and actually moving my body, um, the weight started to fall off. Mm. And I quickly learned how much I enjoyed the gym, and that's when I got into bodybuilding. Now, by the so, way, I, uh, I just started this little thing for television. I'm, I'm saying it's a little thing for television because I hate gyms, but I'm doing it for a TV show. And I, you either it seems like you love a gym, yeah. or you hate a gym. But it's almost like you need to be there enough, and then you love it because everything's there that you need. Absolutely. But it's kind of awkward at first. It is awkward, and I think just like with anything, you, you know, you talk about building a habit. Yeah. You know, you have to do something a number of times before it starts to feel more comfortable, and you feel less awkward. And I was that same person. Yeah. Even though I had some experience with my mom when I was much younger, going to the gym with her and watching her, you know, get ready for a show. Um, when I started going back at my heaviest weight, I didn't want to be there. I oh, felt I so uncomfortable, yeah. and I just watched people, and I was a little and bit And it's hard. Timid. It hurts, and your and body you're super hurts. sore. The yeah. older we get, the yeah. more sore, I swear. Is that true? <laughs> I swear Even for are. you still, huh? Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. to this day. I mean, definitely. You know, now I'm 46. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I'm a lot more sore than I was even just a few years ago, but luckily, you know, I have developed the passion for the gym and for lifting weights and lifting them heavy because I love seeing the physical changes in my mm. body. Yeah. And and it and it the cool thing is it works. It does work. It totally works. In fact, on your website, you, you were with us years ago talking about your oatmeal. You you're just you just love oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And you gave I love us food. you gave us a million a oatmeal <laughs> recipes, but I mean honestly, stuff like that you just have to find what works for you, right? Definitely. And then once you find it, you can just master the oatmeal, or like for you, it was oatmeal or or the exercise and the heavy weights. And I guess we just have to work at it long enough to figure out what we'd need. Definitely. Well, and you know, when, another thing that I do is I work with a lot of women, um, especially women who are middle aged, and uh, women who have given up hope and they don't know where to start and they don't know about clean eating and they don't know, you know, they feel like they have to go to the gym. Yeah. And I just try to meet them where they're at because really, if I force them to do something that they're not wanting to do, they won't do it. Not going to happen. They're not going to follow through. So, yeah. you know, the first thing, especially when it comes to exercise, maybe the gym isn't for you. You know, give it a try. But if yeah. it's not for you, maybe it's walking. Maybe yeah, it's jogging. It maybe it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's out there playing soccer. I mean, who mm-hmm. knows what it is? It's just a matter of finding something that you genuinely have an interest in. Or maybe it's something that you used to do when you were younger thinking, mm-hmm. why haven't I done that in 20 years? Tennis. We used to play tennis forever. And we started it again as a family last two years ago. And Oh, my heavens, it makes a difference. But then you've got to be in shape or you pull something or get hurt (laughs) and then you're in the doctor's office. (laughs) It's not good. And we don't like that either. No, we don't. One thing about you that I think is really powerful, so you started to get healthy because just of your weight. It was Mm -hmm. kind of a weight issue. But it sounds like as you've aged, as your mom has aged, that – Health, the whole concept has changed in a way for you. It's almost it, – it's, I mean, it's the same thing, but it's – you have a whole different motivation now. Mm-hmm. Talk about what's happened with your mom and what's happening with your mom and how that's you changing you. OK. Well, first, you know, with my mom, um, as I've mentioned, she's always been the healthy one. She was the one who was doing exercise for as long as I can remember. And even though as she has gotten older and she's a little bit more carefree in her diet, yeah. um, she's – 
at least, you know, either been riding her bike or going for a walk or doing something from 30 to 60 minutes a day. I mean, you know, and she's 70. Yeah. And last year we had just gotten back from a family trip um, to Hawaii, which was absolutely beautiful. And she felt like something was off. And uh, she went into the doctor, and the doctor said, we need to have you go to a specialist. And we soon found out that she had cancer. Uh. And a little bit of um, backstory there, I will say, my mom is German. She grew up in Germany, moved over when she was a teenager, and it was at a time when literally everybody was smoking. Yeah, that's what and I mean. So, and there was an a, there was an era when every – and especially women would smoke to stay skinny. It was yes. part of the movement. But even before that, she was in a culture where everybody – you know, you'd come into a small room and um, you'd have 30 people playing the accordion mm-hmm. and having a good time and yeah. smoking. And, and so a little beer. A little cigarette. All kinds of different stuff. And even though at that time she wasn't smoking, she was around it. So she grew up Mm. literally from the time that she was a baby. And then she quit when she was in her 30s. Mm. And so, you know, it's been decades since she quit smoking. And we soon found out um, after she had been to the specialist that she had stage four lung Mm. cancer. And at again, 70, at 70. And, and actually at that time, ever. she was 69. Oh, she man. hadn't even turned 70 yet. And it just turned her world and all of our worlds upside down. The first doctor that we met with, um, he was not a lung cancer specialist, which we did not know at yeah. the time. And um, in our first meeting, he gave her three months to a year to yeah. live. And I happened to be there in that meeting, and I think that my mom and my dad and I, we just all kind of looked at each other like, did we just hear that right? Seriously? And again, this is mom, the healthy one, and it terrified us. And I swear it was that moment that all of our lives turned upside down, and we had to start figuring things out. And it changed the way that we looked at health because Mm. it no longer – for me, I mean, yes, I love absolutely love bodybuilding and yeah. I love lifting, but it meant more like we need to do everything that we can to take care of our bodies. It was, it was almost it was about relationships. It's about um, most people. Yeah, and, and and our worlds did. They just stopped. I mean, I think that for a little while there we went into kind of a dark place mm-hmm. because you don't know what to do with that kind of information. And, you know, then everybody is coming out of the woodworks trying to help um, our family because everybody has an opinion on what's the Mm. right way and who they need to see and what you need to do and what you need to avoid. And it's a lot of information. And my dad, um, being so thoughtful, was trying to process it. And he felt like he was trying to make a decision with a timeline because it's not like you can study, study, study and figure it out and then implement a plan. It's like we need to do this Yeah, you think a bomb's ticking on Absolutely. Most definitely. And that's exactly how we felt. So fortunately enough, the decision that we made, I mean, along with making sure that her diet is as clean as possible, um, we got her into the Fred Hutch Cancer Center in Seattle, Washington. And um, she absolutely adores her doctor. Mm. But even since then, it has been quite the process because right away she got into chemo. And chemo was working. And then after about the third treatment, um, for whatever reason, it stopped. And all th- she has three tumors. There's one, of course, in her lungs. She has one in her hip area. And then there's one in her back. And um, they were growing again. Uh. 
So they did some targeted radiation and uh, the one on her hip because it was inhibiting her, not so she wasn't able to move as well. And that helped to shrink that. Um, but then it was a matter of, okay, now now what? Mm-hmm. You know. And so they got her into a clinical trial, which is what she's in now. And so far, so good. I mean, we're counting our blessings yeah. for sure. It's 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 scary. How long since know? the diagnosis? How long has it been? It has been probably about a year and three months. Wow. So, I mean, a lot has happened. Um, we're finally in a place. I mean, they've pretty much have, have told us when you get to stage four, yeah. especially with lung cancer, it would have to be an absolute miracle to be cured. Mm-hmm. Not that we're going to give up on a miracle because things like that Why do not? happen, right. Right? right? You need to pray and have faith. And But um, right uh They've just—they're trying to get it to a place where she doesn't have to go in as often. But uh, so she's now she's in, now in a place where they have been shrinking, um, rather than having to go in every month for mm. infusions and you know multiple doctors' treatments. I mean, for a while there, she was having to go in literally every few days for blood draws and scans and tests, oh. and you know it's it was quite the roller coaster. For well, them. and the psychological side, I mean. That seems like if if you're not psychologically strong, that's yeah. another thing I guess that's part of health, right? Is you got to have your head on yeah. straight, and then it doesn't even matter because you're still going to get hit so hard that yeah. you're going to spin. But it sounds like you got to have your relationships together because you all gathered around. I mean, what if your relationships were all strained and yeah, you had absolutely. to go through that? What if you mentally and emotionally weren't ready or handling it? And her physical health, mm-hmm. that's got to be helping her because oh. she was so strong anyway. Yeah. I mean, that is actually one of the things that multiple doctors have told her that had she not been in the physical health that she was, she'd probably be much worse off. Yeah. And so I think the fact that she did you know, try to do all those things over all the years and the fact that she did quit smoking back when she did, um, those are those are pluses you know things could have been much different and like you said you know even the emotional um strength that we have within our family if there was strain anywhere um i can't help but think that that would play a factor yeah oh yeah don't you you think totally so but we all you know especially for those first few months um i know that we kind of pulled away from life right and just really focused on our family and uh because you all you have to you just don't know what the future holds or how long that future is. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've just make, been making sure that everything that we do is with purpose and with intent and with love. Mm-hmm. You know, we just have really pulled together. How does it change? Well, let, let's do this. Let's take a break and come back. Okay. I want to know, because again, you're, you're, you're 46. You're still really young because mm-hmm. I'm 47. Oh, yeah, you're right. um, Soon to be 48. <laughs> but I feel like a 90-year-old man. Um, but I want to know how this changes your even your parenting. Yeah. Because now, I mean, you're your mom. Yep. Minus smoking a few years. Yeah, no. And, um, but also, you still have time with her. And you're golfing with her. Mm-hmm. And I so I want to hear more about that and that relationship. And then I want to hear how it's changing how you're coaching and teaching and training and, and educating people to be healthy. Okay. More with Jenny Grothy. And you're going to want to um, you want to stick with us. Jenny, what's the website where you launched a new website? You bet. The new website is sheliftsgear.com. She so, lifts gear. Yes. Gear. Sheliftsgear.com. And we'll be back continuing the journey of health 
and uh, the crazy, you know, paradigm shifts we all take as we get older. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us is Jenny Grothy, an old friend and um, a co-worker of mine from many, many moons ago, back in Franklin Covey days. She's uh, she's a great woman that that over the years um, was had gained some weight after her babies, didn't have quite the health habits that she wanted, uh, got really fit, uh, lost – I can't remember how much weight. In total, it's about 60 pounds. But – that's not even real because that you also gained yep. fifty yeah. pounds of muscle. It was yeah, sure. <laughs> I haven't weighed your muscles lately, <laughs> but you you got a lot of. You're just a great. Uh, you're a bodybuilder. You're in great shape, and then uh, you you start telling the story about your mom, who was also a bodybuilder, who's now been diagnosed with stage four cancer, and that is that's changed the game. That's kind of changed the importance of why health matters. Yeah. Um, you also have a website, sheliftsgear.com, mm-hmm. where you tell the story and uh, you you give money to charity. So any purchases mm-hmm. made there go to charity as well. Um, talk about talk about uh, how this changed you as a mom. Okay, because you're a mom bodybuilder, and your mom your mom bodybuilder is mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been um, a pretty sentimental type of a person, and. I, I'm big on making memories and I'm big on trying to be in the moment. I'm not always the best at doing it, but I try to be as aware as possible. And so what it has done is has taken that to like the nth degree, because now I just feel like all of our time is short. We don't know. We can't take anything for granted. You can't assume that just because you're doing one thing, you're going to get this result. Right. Like with my mom, she was living a healthy life and we thought she probably had decades left. Mm-hmm. And now we realize that there's only so much that's within our control. And so now as a mom, I'm just trying to make sure that I, I'm spending more quality time with my kids. I'm trying to listen to them more. I'm trying to find out what is what is it that they're interested in and finding ways that we can spend time together as a family mm-hmm. be active and, even. and be active most definitely you know you know and that's hard especially with some teenagers but uh it's just doing more and just moving more and just making those memories because it's so easy to get caught up in our everyday busy lives and i do the same thing but i think that if we have if we try to just put that on the forefront and have a conscious awareness um then we'll, you know, we'll su- succeed more times than we have in the past. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do um, with my with my mom and with my dad. And you know, as a matter of fact, I just got back. Um, they were down in St. George. They have a place down there, and so I took Zane, my little guy, who's in elementary school, out of school, and we went down there for a week and a half. Wow! And not for any, you know, it was it was my birthday, yeah, but it wasn't for a week and a half. <laughs> But, um, you know, Greg and Dakota, they stayed home and allowed us to go down there because I kind of feel at this point that whatever time we can spend with those that we love 
if they're in the area, especially for people who are out of state yeah. um, that we don't get to see very often, we need to take advantage of that because those are relationships that I don't want to have any regrets down the road looking back thinking, oh, my gosh, she was down there all of those times in St. George. Why didn't I go down there? Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, now going through this, I've thought that before about my grandparents because, you know, they I could have spent more time with them. And now that I don't have them. I wish that I would have. Yeah. And I don't want to have that same regret with my parents or with my sister and definitely not with my little family. Right. Because in the end, that's what matters most. It's interesting. making those memories. Well, because we, we talk a lot about health and it takes a lot of time to get healthy. And it seems like the the more healthy you are or you're – like when you're at a professional level – of being healthy, like a bodybuilder, it seems like it would even be more of a selfish endeavor because you have to be at the gym so much more. Um, but what good is health if you don't have family and yeah. love and relationships? And what good are relationships if you're about to die? You know what yeah. I mean? We, we have a few minutes. Yeah. But then your mom brings on this really hard disease and takes it on and is battling it because she was healthy. Yeah. Um, but it gives you time to be with her. Yeah. Yeah. At, at least it kind of, you know, that is the one pro is we are so much more aware now yeah. and we're doing something about it. That's what we need to learn though, right? And you you didn't go down with your mom and just, you know, no, we eat didn't Cheetos. Just, no. We, we, I mean, we did, we did take some time and look through some old pictures and that's always fun. But, um, you know, she loves to golf. We used to love to ski. Yeah. Um, but now her, her big – Love is golfing. And so there were two days in a row that we had some pretty good weather and we were out there hitting nine holes. So you great. know, I mean, and there were days back before she was diagnosed, my mom would go out and hit 27 holes at a time and want more, you know. Uh-huh. So the fact that she was out there hitting nine holes the first of the season with me, um, even though I'm pretty lame. Well, but um, <laughs> that's all right. It's, but isn't it's it interesting? It's so much fun. But you're also, so that's a, that's a really powerful memory. But that's, I guess, another point about health is you can do it with people. Uh-huh. You can go get healthy together. Absolutely. And it creates these memories. So you will probably remember golfing with your mom well, and skiing with your mom yeah. and exercising and watching her lift weights when you were a little girl. You'll remember all these healthy moments. Well, and there was another thing, too, that was really special that happened this last week. I mean, my mom was always the master in the gym. And... uh you know, as she's gotten older and found other hobbies that she's really enjoyed, she hasn't been to the gym for quite some time. Yeah. So while I was down there, she had me take her back to the gym and introduce her, reintroduce her to all of the weight machines and <laughs> cool. all of the cables yeah. and, you know, where all of the heavy hitters were, were lifting. Yeah. And um, helped her to get, you know, more comfortable again. Of course, being very mindful to yeah. what her body can handle. But, uh, it was so much fun. What I mean, was we it took like so being many pictures with your mom. Oh, it was amazing. That's it was cool. so much fun. And she's just, you know, she was so cute because she kept on commenting how that if she were younger that we could have been lifting partners and <laughs> you know, and I could totally <laughs> you see that. You could have done that. a mommy daughter lift. Seriously, but we were, you know, we just we, we made sure even though she was sore, we did it every single day. And the one day that I didn't feel up to it because I was pretty sore, she still wanted to go. Did she so really? It's, I think that, you know, yeah, it's all that stuff. You know, when you have the opportunity to do something, um, active or otherwise, where you can make a memory and have something, make them. I mean, I know that that made her happy. Yeah. And endorphins have got to be, you know, a factor oh, in yeah. health. Yeah. Um, it and was even if it just, just makes amazing. her happy. Yeah. 
right? Let's say it, it can't buy her years, but it can buy, buy her days and exactly. makes her happier and makes memories. Yep. That's All of the above. powerful. Yep. Because again, health, it, I don't know. We, a lot of times it is, we put on our headphones, we go to like the media room at the gym Mm-hmm. And we and we're away from our family, and we just try to get it out of our day. Yep, get it over with. But you're saying a big lesson: integrate it into your life, make your relationships a part of it. Well, and I've done the same thing with my husband. Um, you know, he likes to go to the gym when he can, um, which isn't that often. You know, he works at a company where luckily they do have a gym, so he'll go during the day. Yeah, but. Uh, a couple times a week, he'll try to go early with me, and that's hard for me. And, be, and the main reason is because, like, I'm like what you mm-hmm. said. Like, when I go, I put my headphones yeah, on, he's and I like to you go. He's yeah. slowing me down. I've got my rhythm. You know, the, I like to work out alone. And uh, I had to tell myself, it's okay. This this relationship is so much more important than me being alone, so pushing good. out another set. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been awesome. It's been, you know, we just have fun. We do our little high fives. Yeah. We, you know, we rotate, but we're talking and we're just spending quality time together doing something that we both enjoy. And, uh, you know, it's again, it's, it, but, you know, if you don't have that awareness, that's right. You won't make a change. My my mother-in-law uh, just last year died of Alzheimer's, but my daughter would go walking with her every week for years. And that becomes part of the memory, right? So part of the memory is we because her mom was really active. Yeah. And that's – so it's funny. It almost seems like they become more powerful memories because you are exercising. You're getting endorphin hits. Your body's feeling the strain. Yeah. I mean, there's power in mixing health and family. Definitely, that's pretty powerful. What advice would you give us? We have about a minute left. What would you? What advice would you give the rest of us that don't have somebody suffering from cancer, but we might be caught up in either not exercising or you know, too exercising too much alone? I I would just say you know again is having the awareness and looking for those opportunities and um, just reach out and do something. And if you don't know what to do, um, whoever it is that you're wanting to make a memory with, find what is the one thing that unites you both and go do that. Um, You know, don't sit back and wait thinking that I'll do it tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow brings. No. That's such great advice. Jenny Grothy is her name. Go look up her website, sheliftsgear.com. And on there you can get to uh, her, her uh, blog and her, the charity that she supports. And you can get to her recipes, to yep. all of the great oatmeal recipes. Uh, Jen, thanks. Thank you. Best of luck to your mom too. Thanks. She raised a beautiful, wonderful daughter with seriously killer triceps. <laughs> thanks, Matt. You got a lot of other great traits as well. Jenny Grothy, thanks again. We'll take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about uh, Leanna Tan's childhood strangeness. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's time for a, a tangent from Leanna Tan. She's going to talk about five strange things strange things she did as a child. You know, I've been in school a long time. Practically my whole life, save a few years. Some days it feels like time flies. I can't believe I'm already in my last year of college. And other times, it feels like, man, it's been forever. 
I've changed a lot. I mean, I was a completely different person when I first started school. Seriously. I was five. <laughs> Sometimes I look back on my elementary school days and think, I did some weird stuff when I was a kid. In a lot of ways, I think this past decade and a half of schooling has developed me perhaps more socially than academically. So, for your pure enjoyment, here are five strange things I did as a child that I thought were normal for some reason. What? I searched for spare change in every store I set foot in. No, this wasn't a normal, hey, there's a penny on the ground. No, while my mom was shopping or waiting in line, I would go through every checkout lane, weave my way through the people, scouring between their feet and in the corners of the magazine racks, and then I'd even get down on my hands and knees and press my face to the floor looking by the cashier's feet for anything that dropped. I remember one cashier being so surprised she jumped and was like, what are you doing? And I just looked up at her and unfazed and said, looking for money. You know, like it was a completely normal thing to be scavenging on my hands and knees between strangers for their loose change. Never crossed my mind that I was pretty much practicing theft. Two. I sold rocks. Got me feeling like a rock and roll star on a stage. I guess my money scavenging wasn't bringing in enough business. So, I sold rocks. Not the pretty, shiny, polished kinds, like the dirt brown ones I found in my backyard. Well, actually, probably my neighbor's yard. My sisters and I set up our little picnic table in the carport, put out a sign to sell all our rocks, and I remember being completely appalled that no one wanted to buy them, even when we dropped our price to one penny. People. Sheesh, can't tell a good deal when they're staring them in the face. Guess I did learn the tricks of the trade, though, because later on in elementary, I started my own business selling old Christmas candy. And dang, I made bank, aka not one penny, but hundreds, that is until the recess duty lady found me out and made me learn the harsh life lesson that selling old Christmas candy is not normal or allowed on school premises. Hey! I'd ask to stay in from recess to write reports in second grade. Yeah, for some reason, I thought it was normal for a seven-year-old kid to want to spend 30 minutes analyzing books on sea creatures and hamsters and then creating graphs and reports on them to present to their classmates rather than going out and breathing fresh air. Maybe that's what stunted my growth at five foot one. I collected napkins and stashed them in my backpack. One, two, three, get One, two, three, get Most people just take like one or two at lunch and most little kids don't even use napkins. But I would grab a huge two-inch pile of them anytime I was even near the cafeteria, not even to use at lunch. I'd just keep them in my specially designated pocket at the top of my backpack. My friends were always curious as to why. But you know, after a while, they just started saving up their own napkins and giving them to me. Actually, that habit didn't die till after I graduated high school, I think. But do you know how many emergency bloody noses and random spills I was able to aid? Who's laughing at Napkin Girl now? I drank rock soup. Are you ready for this? You heard it right. Uh-huh. Must have been how I coped with my sales deficit or something. I would take a big rock that I'm sure was worth hundreds of pennies and would stick it in a big pot of cold water and then leave it under the hot sun, thinking it would make soup. Sometimes I'd stick a carrot in there just for good measure. But, you know, no matter how long I let it sit in the sun, it still always just tasted like dirt water. (sighs) 
Growing up can be hard. You picture yourself drinking rock soup and selling old Christmas candy every day for a living, and you're kind of glad the universe forces it upon us. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe my rock soup recipe could have made millions. But there's really no escaping growing up part. So, may your childhood strangeness mature, and may your wallets be full of spare change. Happy growing up, everyone. I'm Leanna Tan, and that's my little tangent. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here joined by Terry South and Jeffrey Simpson, soon to be Frozen Simpson. Mm. Simpson Pop. Simpson Pop. As you take Jeff, uh, Jeff's going to be taking some scouts out uh, on a on a camp out, mm. an overnighter in the snow. In the snow, in seven degrees is, seven. is the expected temperature. Except in the civilized world. Uh huh. Okay. Ex- except we don't know what wind chill will feel like. I'm going to be just fine. If anything, the only thing that'll kill me is the hike up there because my pack is. I've packed way too much. You, did you pack it high? I packed it high. Some people and make wide. A, people make a mistake and they pack low, and that weighs yeah. down on your back. You need to put it high so it's more on your shoulders. Yeah, not too high that it tips you over, and then they find you in a snowbank the next day. Yeah, that, we're, not, we're not talking like me. Sherpa high. <laughs> Maybe lower than a Sherpa. Are you guys going to have a Sherpa? To help you carry you your stuff You should have up? one. This isn't an icy wilderness you're trekking into. We're going to have a snowmobile. Uh, not the same. Mm. Oh. A Sherpa would be an informed human that yes. could actually help you survive. Have you ever seen the Star Wars when Luke or somebody's freezing to death and they have to stick him in the gut of a... Uh, Tauntaun. Yeah, Han, Han, yeah, Han Solo. Yeah. No, no, no. He does that himself. No, or Han does Han it. does it because Luke's it. out. Now, uh, all, yeah. the, all the guts come flowing out and as a kid, you're like, gross. Yeah. But then it's kind of cool. Are you taking a Tauntaun? <laughs> you might want They a make too much noise. Yeah. They snore. Plus, you got to feed them. Yeah. yeah. Or you feed them to the... What was that? An ice monster? Whatever that was. I think he ate that Tauntaun. Hey, hey, Leo! Nerd. He just went nerd all sorry, over. Sorry, Leo just... DiCaprio does that too in that movie. Um, uh, why haven't I won an Oscar yet? What was it called? Revenant? I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does he? Yeah, where he gets attacked by a bear. Oh yeah, remember that Revenant? And then he sleeps in an animal. And he sleeps in an animal because you know it's. I think uh, he, I think they did something close to it because that was supposed to be authentic. It's just so cozy, warm. Honestly, if you want to, if you want to make a memory for these boys. Sleep in an animal tonight. <laughs> they will never forget that. And you know what? I pretty much guarantee they'll never ask you on another overnight yeah. winter you, camp. You, you may get a whole new job. <laughs> I probably because you guys would never be able to get over that smell. I could hear the church, everybody at church Sunday, like, did you hear what Brother Simpson did? He did what? He did what? <laughs> he slept in an animal? A well, tauntaun. Well, did did he eat the animal? Oh, no. that's just wasteful. No. Yeah. But he had to drag it out after. Just call your camp Hoth. You need to do that. You're such a nerd today. I know. Look I at I you. think you should really do that. Really just play that up. Ice Planet Hoth. Today we'll also be talking about movies that um, are kind of uh, – they take place, I guess, in in the winter. They show you many ways camping, in nature. Camping gone wrong. Camping gone wrong. Hmm. And we'll we'll touch every way that camping can get you. Animals, Space camp. 
We didn't even get to space. I don't. No, think. we didn't. But camping can go wrong in so many ways. Uh, and Jeff's got some examples of movies that you know things he needs to worry about. I will give my example of a movie of what I think Jeff is going to experience. It's not Ernest goes to camp, is no. it? No, okay, because no, no. we didn't. We're oh. not going to have time for that one, no. unfortunately. No, we won't. I saw that in the theater. We, um, <laughs> my father wanted to see that one. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That sounds horrible. We also saw Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, why would you go to my, an Ernest? My dad movie? liked Ernest. Well, he thought he was funny. He was a good man. Good <laughs> Middle America. Um, We'll also be speaking with Rod Gustafson from Parent Previews and doing a little movie review. Um, plus, of course, meeting our good buddies from BYU Sports Nation, doing a hero story. We got a lot to get to, but first, the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's up? Speaking to U.S. Republicans on Thursday, British Prime Minister Theresa May said the days of failed policies in sovereign countries in an attempt to remake the world in our own image are over. May went on to add that Britain and the United States cannot afford to stand idly by when the threat is real and when it is in our own interest to intervene. We must be strong, smart, and hard-headed. We must demonstrate the resolve necessary to stand up for our interests. And whether it is the security of Israel in the Middle East or Estonia in the Baltic states, we must always stand up for our friends and our allies in democratic countries that find themselves in tough neighborhoods too. Yes. Which is uh, a message to Russia, basically. We're uh, watching. President you. Trump's executive order on banning immigrants from certain Middle Eastern countries conveniently excludes countries where he has business deals. This <laughs> according to Bloomberg News. Uh, citing a draft proposal, the report says the United Arab Emirates, Turkey, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia, all Muslim-majority countries, have been left off of Trump's blacklist. Coincidentally, these are also places where the Trump organization has uh, concluded business deals or has business links. He has buildings in Turkey and all those countries, so... Just a coincidence. Just, yeah. I don't think it has any I mean, association. things happen, sure. Russian media on Thursday reported the arrest of yet another security service officer accused of being a U.S. spy in a treason case thought to be tied to the U.S. hacking scandal. After news broke on Wednesday of the arrest of the agency's top cyber expert, two other FSB officers, that's their newly revamped, not newly revamped, but the... Their CIA, basically, yeah. the FSB, were reportedly under the arrest uh, under arrest for the same charge on Thursday, meaning either the U.S. has a ring of infiltrators deep inside Russian security services or Russia has a trick up its sleeve. They're either blaming the U.S. and arresting people or we actually had a cell. Ah. The cyber expert who was reportedly dragged out of a meeting with a sack over his head. So he's in a meeting with his co-workers at this FSB, and they walk in, put a sack over his head, take him out of the conference room. Holy cow, that's scary. He's been identified by pro-Kremlin media as a member of the famous hacking collective Anonymous International. There they are. Known for targeting high-ranking Russian officials. Well, and now, apparently, they're targeting Trump, I think. Apparently. Now, I have two finallys. Okay. One, there's a new ice cream. Finally. Oh, there is? Yes, from the Hostess Company, (gasps) or at least they're involved in this. Okay. So Hostess and Nestle have teamed up. And they are making snowballs and Twinkie ice cream. <gasps> Finally! The mashup, mashup happening towards uh, the end of 2016, early 17. So sometime now you'll be able oh. to start see it out in your, in your convenience stores. Um, also, well, convenience stores. Um, let's see. Give me a description. Twinkie ice cream is part of the product line of Hostess Dessert. You know, we all know that. But yeah. also cupcakes, snowballs, ho-hos, ding-dongs, all that stuff. Oh, it's, that it seems good. some stores have gotten ice cream a bit ahead of schedule. Um, they've been picked up. There's pictures. Oh. Is this going to be their um, savior? Because they closed their doors recently for a little while. Who did? Hostess. 
Well, they're they got purchased by somebody else, and they're back open. And everyone oh, so it's just the name artery clogging stuff. No, okay. I, it's the product. The Twinkies are on the shelves. It's the real deal. How does that work? I saw. I was at a at a at a store, and they had a pallet, and people had shopping carts full of Twinkies when they came back on the market. Well, you never know. They yeah. were only off the shelves we're for like three weeks. We're sorry, we're hostess. We're so sorry. basically, you'll have an ice cream. It'll be like some vanilla with some flavoring, and then they'll have chunks of yes, the dessert, either a Twinkie or a mm-hmm. Snowball or whatever, all mixed into it. Sounds So perfect. what do you think? Is that good? Yeah, that good? very okay. good. Finally, also, um, the day after the Super Bowl, is hard for many people to stay. You stay up late watching a game. If you think on the East Coast, that game goes to like 8, 9, maybe 10 o'clock. And then you want to, you're hanging out with friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a celebratory time. Getting back to work February 6th won't be uh, hard for people who work for Kraft Heinz because they get that Monday off, the company announced yesterday. Really? Heinz broke the good news to their employees in their uh, someday, I don't know what they call it, that campaign video. The video asks Americans to get behind the idea to make the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday. I agree. But you better be here for 4th of July. In their YouTube announcement, the brand says that the country loses an average $1 billion of productivity because of a decline after the day after the Super Bowl because people are up late, yeah. they're kind of celebrating, they're having parties, and then they show up to work and they're just not productive, so give everyone another day off. So far, 100,000 signatures on their petition. If they get that, they will send that to Congress. So if we want a day off, we just need to do our jobs very poorly. Is that right? Is that the lesson we're No, that's that's a way to get a permanent day off. I'm just I'm not talking about year round. Okay, just that one day. But you know, I'll yeah. after the day after the Oscars, why don't I come in? There's an just... argument there too. Well, I think there's more people <laughs> celebrating the Super Bowl than the Oscars, but there's oh, quite a few people celebrating the Oscars. But And I'm full problem. of pizza, and it's really hard to wake up when you're full of pizza. You can't, but that's just one sport. You should have it after Game 7 of a World Series. No, yes. because that, the series could end at Game 5. It could end at Game 6. I know, it could end at Game f- You don't know. Because that could be the random holiday. Well, you never know no. when it's coming. And oh, you could, do, it, you could do an office, uh, office gambling, you know, what's the word? A pool. Uh, yes, an office pool. What, uh, when will we get our day off? And those, those, those sports tend to be more regional. They're not very universally watched as, as football you know, tends to be when it you, gets that You point. can also just take a vacation day. You could, but what Heinz wants to do, and I think I, I, I thoroughly support this. Right. We need to have a day off. Heinz wants that. They're, 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 they're starting the movement. And it, we know right now. Did the movement politi- start when the Pittsburgh Steelers were still in the tournament? Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Because don't they yeah. own the field and pitch? So it seems like. They don't like... own the field. They name the field. Okay. And they're in that town. Yeah. So it seems yeah. like maybe that's not as big of a deal if Pittsburgh's not in the Super Bowl. No, but they're still pushing forward with this because I think there is a universal acceptance that we had the, we had, uh, it was a Caitlin came in and talked about yeah, we, we need, need more, more holidays. holidays. Why not have a Super Bowl holiday? Well, don't we have a Heinz that works upstairs that we could ask? He's one of the higher ups, isn't he? Yeah, why don't you go ask him? His name is uh, I think he's Heinz re- Dreyfus. Really? Yeah. Um, you sound I, like you made it, it up. It's kind of different. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> it was a play on words. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you figure out which one. Hey, it's chocolate cake day. Mm. So much positivity this morning. There's because it's Friday. Yeah, we have new ice cream. Yeah, possible holidays. Chocolate cake. International fun at work day. Goof off at the at the office day. 
you can just play this music, just start dancing, mm. just spin the neighbor in the cubicle next to you. Don't you think it'd be fun? Just oh, here comes Jeff. He's happy. I heard you lost a toe, Jeff. <laughs> this is Monday's conversation. <laughs> How's your toe, Jeff? You're walking really well, Jeffrey. Hey, um, a woman says bacon helped her celebrate 109 years. She'd never make it to 109 years old if it hadn't been for a little of the, uh, the pork Goodness. perfection. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is bacon from the pigs that are harvesting organs, right? No, it's a different one. Oh, okay. Do not get your bacon from the pigs they're making human organs in. Don't do that. Yeah, they might be a that's little... That's cannibalism. Uh, that's a little weird. A little gamey. The woman said, I never smoked a cigarette in my life. I never drank liquor in my life. And I had one husband for 43 years, is what Ruth Benjamin said. And I love bacon. She she didn't say, I love my husband. Nope. Well, he's dead. <laughs> but, yeah, she didn't. Apparently, she loves bacon even more than her husband. Ruth just celebrated her 109th birthday. Hmm. I think I hear her. I hear longevity in those sizzling That sounds. makes she, me hungry. She was born in 1908 as one of her parents' six children. She, uh, she worked in Terry Haute uh, for 43 years. She's been to Niagara Falls. She says, I've been everywhere. I've been to D.C. I've been to Hawaii. Anyway, her doctor says uh, he's not sure it's the bacon that got her to 109. Right. Because he's a medical professional, and they have to continue this line of I don't know if mm-hmm. it's really supported. Yeah, that, that somehow is, bacon and cholesterol isn't necessarily good. I know, for but what does he know? I mean, well, yeah, what does he know? It's one of them scientists. He also uh, says, though, it may be more attributed to hard work, a loving family, a wonderful marriage. She never drank, she never smoked, and she was happy. That might be more of why she lived to 109. He's a bacon hater. That's what it is. Oh, the bacon hater is a great. Great meal. <laughs> so good. Anyway, uh, congratulations to you, Ruth Benjamin. May you have another 109 years. Well, come on. What? 218? Come on. Don't don't hate. She'll make it to like, I'm not going to speculate. That would be rude. No. She's li- <laughs> the, the neat thing for her, she's lived long enough to see a Twinkie ice cream. Yeah. She's going to hopefully experience Twinkie ice cream. <laughs> who who hasn't mm. okay we will take a break when we come back our own jeff simpson will be doing a little uh little media what are we calling this the movie segment where he's going to interview is that right rod or am i interviewing rod i'll do it well we can do it together let's do oh, it together sure. we'll t- we'll be back with rod gustafson uh, a film critic specializing in movies and media from a parent's perspective Go check out the website, parentpreviews.com. We'll be back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Because it's Friday, we like to focus on the movies. And uh, Jeff Simpson and I are going to be talking with Rod Gustafson from ParentPreviews.com. He is a film critic, and the website uh, specializes in reviewing movies and media from a parent's perspective. So you know what you're going into and what you're sending your kids to. Rod, how are you, my friend? 
I'm good. Gee, you know, Matt, that was getting a bit of a complex. I didn't think you wanted to talk oh, to no. me anymore. I love nice you. Nice to see you again. It, it, it's or good to talk you. to you. Here's the deal. Jeff Simpson loves movies. It's uh-huh. second to his <laughs> wife and his two children and camping in the winter. Um, he loves movies. And so he gets giddy when I say, do you want to interview Rod? He gets giddy and he claps his hands. So I'm like, I maybe I just ought to give him a bone and let him do it. Yeah. You know, you know what, Matt, you want to know my deep, deep, dark secret. What? I started doing this for parents and families. And if I didn't have that motivation, I'd probably go see about five movies a year if I was lucky. So really? there you yeah. go. There's my big confession. Okay, let me tell you a, a little confession for Jeff because he's not piping up yet. Um, if he could be anyone in the world, he'd want to be you. <laughs> oh, poor Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, no, change. Because it's all these you movies. Change. <laughs> you know, Matt says that he doesn't like movies, but he definitely sees more than I do. <laughs> it's because so, it's because of Netflix. Netflix, yes, yes. And you know, okay. So I admit, when I say I'd see five movies a year, uh, what I'm really saying is I see about five movies a year that I'd be willing to put down the fifty bucks right. by the time I'm done with parking and admission. But you're right; I would watch a whole lot more than that sitting in my home theater, which is my favorite place to watch movies. Oh, that's kind of nice. I didn't know you were doing most yeah. of them in your home theater. Well, I, I don't. I, I rarely to go to get the f- to actually review oh. them there because yeah. I've got to go out to get theaters. Out there. That's where the screenings right. are. Yeah, right. but it's so comfy on your sofa. That's the best place to watch movies. Isn't it nice? Now, did we have any movies uh, uh, come out this weekend? Any big uh, box office things? Anything we need to pay attention to? Or is it kind of a dull weekend? Well, we have... The one of the big releases this weekend is going to be one that I already can tell you it's going to be a dog of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a dog's purpose. And of course, this film has had a lot of negative publicity over the last week or so. Yeah. Due to a little video clip that was leaked from the set when they were filming in Manitoba. And um, so I'm going to give you my little political statement. I think if that person was really concerned about the welfare of animals, he or she would have released that last year when this movie was being filmed because they waited until just a few days before the movie's released. So I don't know. But they must have another complaint. Yeah. And as a good friend of mine said who watched the video, he said, my dog does that every time I try and give him a bath. <laughs> and, you know, it's uh, true. So try there it. you go. So, yeah. So, so the dog looked like it was drowning. Yes, yes, yeah. Because in one did. of the scenes, they needed to do a water scene, and it was it looked like it was struggling, and yeah. And then yeah. the actors and have so, come back and said it was. Yeah, I feel bad for Dennis Quaid, who had to sit on Ellen's show and try to explain how they were treated on the set. And Ellen loves yeah. animals, right? So it's yeah. I mean, who yeah. doesn't love animals? But yeah. so overall, is the movie talk about it? What's it? What's it about? Well, what this movie is about is about the it's kind of like Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the reincarnation of a dog. There's this dog named Bailey who um is born and he's a cute little puppy and he gets adopted by this this kind little boy called Ethan and the two of them grow up together and Ethan goes through some really terrible things in his life actually he has a uh, a father who's an alcoholic and some other things happen I don't want to give away too much of the plot here but eventually Ethan goes off to college 
and Bailey dies. But then in a moment, Bailey is reincarnated. And when Bailey comes back, now he's a police dog, hmm. except he's a she, and uh, he's work- she's working for the Chicago Police Department. But then that doesn't last so long because the life of a police dog is dangerous. And then within a wink of an eye, um, the dog is reincarnated once again, and this time it's a little corgi, and it's a family pet. And so this happens over and over, and and uh, until, you know, the dog is reincarnated towards the end of the movie. And it's just very sad because it's a lonely dog sitting in the front yard of some neglecting owner's house. But then there's a great re- reward in store for this dog. And mm. that would just be a major giveaway if I tell you what's going to happen. But a little hint, if you really want to be surprised by this movie, don't watch the trailer too close. I don't know what it is with the film industry and trailers. Like, people quit giving away the whole story because most <laughs> of it's in the trailer. But so this is a tearjerker roller coaster of a movie because the dog's alive, the dog is dead. The dog is alive, <laughs> the dog is dead. And I watched the people in my audience one moment. They're laughing the next moment. They're crying. And the next oh wow! They're laughing, so, oh, it's yeah. kind of hard. That's so minus the reincarnation. It sounds pretty much exactly like that film War Horse that Steven mm, Spielberg yes. did. Yes, I forgot about War Horse. Thank you very much, Jeff. Yes, it is. It's a lot like that. Minus and, the horse. Um, yeah, minus the horse. But there, there's a there, yeah, yeah, minus the horse. <laughs> so, um, but you know, from a family perspective, okay. So first of all, if you bring your little kids to this film, and they will undoubtedly want to come because the advertising for this movie looks so cute and fuzzy and soft and friendly. Just it, make sure you got a pocket full of, of tissues with you because they are going to be crying in this, and they're going to need an arm around their shoulder because this one reminds me of when I watched Old Yeller back in grade school in grade two I was the most picked upon kid in the country school and I was just a puddle of tears at the end of that movie so be there to support your kids yes yeah my old yeller syndrome is coming through no that was traumatic I remember yeah that was traumatic (laughs) bad movie but anyway so you know from a content perspective let's get to that virtually really no sexual content no profanity in this uh, but there is some violence um, and certainly many moments of peril for these various dogs, which are all the same dog in spirit, but different dogs, obviously, in body. And uh, so there are there are definitely moments in here that are going to be upsetting to kids and maybe even adults. Um, this movie definitely plays to dog lovers. Um, what I really did like about the movie is that it was a very unique way to show um, a couple of things. First of all, the movie's called A Dog's Purpose. So what are, is the purpose of having a dog? And that is answered in many different ways. Why do we have mm-hmm. dogs in our world? Um, and it also demonstrates how difficult it is for a dog to find a good home. And I think that that probably is quite accurate as well. It also um, it portrays a lot of interesting things about humanity, the different humans that these that this dog lives with and and uh some of the some of the things in our society that have developed over the years in the way of addictions and abuse and those types of things so there are actually some very serious themes that happen in this movie Hmm. having said all of that we're doing a big b plus on this film uh it it actually is a very moving film and i am not a dog person i i grew up with dogs and by the time i moved out of my <laughs> my parents house i thought that's it i'm never having i'm a dog. done yeah <laughs> i'm done so but it still definitely definitely has some very touching moments that's great and i mean my kids right now are asking for a dog and so i might just take them to this movie oh matt 
it, it, seriously, if you if you want to get a dog, you will be getting one on the way home from the oh, theater. Oh, let's after not do this that. One. I don't want a dog. I was going to say, and yeah. parents out there, that's one of my warnings in the review. If be forewarned, by the time this movie's over, you are going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to get one. Pooch. Yeah. Yes. Hey, <laughs> where's um, the dog from? <laughs> that's interesting. Okay, so a B plus, you're giving it, uh, but it, it's yeah. It's it, it's an emotional film, so just be careful. Be with ready little for kids. it, right? Yeah, be ready for it. And this is rated PG, by the way, not PG thirteen. So. Yeah. Uh, Jeff wanted to talk about Oscar nominations because he's. Oh yeah. This is again. This is his big time of year. What uh, what what what's your take? Any what do you think about La La Land and their sweep? Well, I I really enjoy La La Land, and I've told a number of my friends, you've got to go see La La Land, and I'm surprised how many of people now. When I say my friends. Right now, I'm hanging out with a lot of twenty-somethings because really? I volunteer in my church. And yeah. my current my current job in quotes is I'm one of the ecclesiastical leaders in what is called a young adult congregation. So yeah, you're with all the hip young folks. Me too. Yeah, I'm with all the hip young people, and I've had a number of them come back and say to me, "You know, I didn't think it was that good." And I'm thinking, "What's wrong with you?" But La La Land is very much a film critics movie. And and an industry film, and I think a lot of them are being wooed by so many of the cool things, and I am too. I mean, I love the music, I love the cinematography, the location, and everything else. So, um, and I think that there's a deeper story in La La Land that often gets missed about the sacrifices that we make as as couples mm-hmm. in relationships with career versus relationship and that type of thing. Uh, overall, though, looking at the Oscar nominations, what I really excited me is how the first of all the wide range of movies and how many of them are not rated r i noticed that too yeah 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 and jeff there's some great movies in there even when you look at the nine movies nominated for best picture five of them are pg-13 or if you can believe it, a pg live action film nominated for best picture which is hidden figures a wonderful wonderful movie i was very excited about that yeah I mean, and certainly it's not unprecedented because there was a day a time when there weren't as many mm, rated r yes. movies or even when they had those ratings but um yeah it's when was the last time there were more non-rated r movies nominated for best picture than r-rated movies just, yes, and and I think I think this is really good for the industry too because I remember a few years ago, like for instance, the year I'm trying to remember now when the Hurt Locker uh, won Best Picture, and people were saying to me, "What movie is that?" And I think the Hurt Locker, I think its overall lifetime gross is under twenty million dollars, and and Oscars were kind of getting into this realm of a very artsy movies that were in limited release and and whatnot, and they were really losing their connection with the public. And this year. There are a lot of films that I know people have seen, like Arrival, for instance, and like La La Land, a wonderful movie called Lion that's nominated for Best Picture, uh, Fences, Denzel Washington film uh, with Viola Davis, who I'm, I'm quite certain is going to pick up the Oscar for her performance in that movie. Some very, very uh, worthwhile films this year. And of mm. course, then there's the animation and special effects categories where we've got movies like Star Wars, movies like Moana, Zootopia, which is my pick for best animation of the year. So lots of choices. How about uh, snubs? Anybody that uh, should have had a nod but didn't get one? You know, I hadn't really thought too much about which what the big snubs were. Jeff, 
Have you have Jeff's you been the king reading of the snubs list? Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people have been saying that they're disappointed that Tom Hanks and Amy Adams didn't get nominated or Annette Bening. But uh, I don't I really I honestly don't think like I don't think there were that many surprises. I think everybody that got a nomination has pretty much been consistently nominated for all the other awards that have been coming out. And I suppose Amy Adams, you're right. I, I now that you say that I am surprised in a way that she's not in there. At the same time, I thought Arrival overall, um, I, I even I was surprised at how much. OK, I, I've got to admit. So two things. I liked Arrival. Great movie about aliens that come and bring the world together. But I didn't I was surprised at how much critical acclaim it is getting and how much awards attention it's getting. I thought it was a good movie, hmm. but I didn't think it was right up there in the stratosphere, so to speak. Hmm. So as you were speaking, I thought of one, and I'm sure you and I can agree on this one, too, because we've talked about it before. No John Goodman for Best hmm. Supporting Actor. Yes, yes, you're right. And 10 Cloverfield Lane totally overlooked, which I thought was a, a very well-constructed movie. But yes, but it yes, came out of I March. Surprised that, yeah. <laughs> Does that I, matter, sorry, I, I guess? That, oh, yeah. We, that? Have a, we have a short attention span. It came out way back in March, so oh, nobody boy. remembers it anymore. <laughs> yes. And I'm amazed Zootopia is on the list. You know, the, the year that Meryl Streep won in Devil Wears Prada, and this was kind of in the earlier oh. years of Meryl before she got nominated for everything she did. And I remember that movie coming out. I think it came released in April and uh, was just a movie. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is an award winning performance, but nobody will remember. And they actually did. So it is possible. But yes, there's there is that. And that's how come they release so many movies at the end of December, beginning of January, is because they think that the, the voters, whether you're a film critic or whether you're an Academy member, they figure that we're all going to forget. So, yeah, yeah. maybe it's true. Well, I mean, now it also leaves us with a, a – it seems like a boring season with no movies. Yes. Well, this is called what I call the January dumping ground. And this is go, where, huh? the, Yeah, this is where we often get films where we scratch our head and go – why gee why did they make that so and i must admit so far this year you know hasn't been too bad because well first of all we're still so the way it works if with these award movies is they have to be on a movie screen somewhere before the end of 2016 so typically they will open them in a very limited engagement in new york and los angeles and a couple of theaters but then for the rest of us mortals we don't get to see these movies until january usually and sometimes even into february so we are still getting some of that award runoff that's coming through here so for instance the the r-rated movie gold is releasing this weekend and uh that is one that really didn't show up i, I don't even know if it showed up anywhere in the oscars i can't remember but they were certainly gunning for awards on this film hmm. this is a film starring matthew mcconaughey and so we are still getting the awards movies are releasing but then you have you know xxx releasing on the next screen and you know which are more of these kind of just popcorn action films and that type of thing, which usually, uh, although it's done better than I was expecting it to do with, with, uh, with the critics. But this is where we will often get in this period a lot of movies which are not expected to make as much money or to gather critical acclaim, I guess is really hmm. 
it is really the big qualifier. I wasn't sure what movie you were talking about there for a second. I was like, is that an adult movie? But you're talking about the uh, the Vin Diesel oh, yeah, movie, right? Triple X. Yeah, Triple X. Yes, Good. Thanks, X. Evans. Keeping it clean. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's just borderline clean. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. But go to parentpreviews.com to find out more. Um, well, we Rod, we appreciate you and your great work there, and uh, thanks for just going in deep. You know. Because well, if you don't you. go look at these, then we have to. <laughs> and we'd have well, to send you. Jeff. Know, it, it's always it's always so enjoyable when you can when you can find a movie that you can tell the world, hey, go take your kids to this, and, yeah. and that's always a that's always a good thing to do because movies represent so much of our culture, and uh, it's it's fun to share those things. Uh, as a society, I actually I, I go as far to say movies can actually bring a society together, and I, I hope you we bet. see more of those. You bet. Rod, thanks again. And everybody, go check out his website, parentpreviews.com. Make sure you also look at the notes and what uh, talking points you can use after the movie with your kids and your family to make sure that uh, you can take the, the topic even deeper. We will take a break, and when we come back, I think we'll be discussing potential movie scenarios that Jeff Simpson himself might be living out as he takes on the cold mountain camping trip tonight with uh, some scouts. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you make it through life and campouts. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, now Jeff's going out camping um, with some scouts. It'll be about 7 degrees. It's going to be an overnighter. He will hike in one mile. And, you know, a week ago he was kind of worried about it. Now he's he's not as worried. But uh, one of the things I think that helped him is he thought through some movie scenes or movie uh, titles. Um, and there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah, like just we gotta go through them fast. But what, what, what are some, what are some movie titles about camping that you might experience? Okay, well, hopefully none of these things will happen to me. But you know, every movie has some kind of overall theme, like man versus blank. Right, right, right. And uh, I've taken that theme and I've applied it to camping movies. Okay. So the first thing that could happen is it, there could be man versus man. That's bad. And if you've ever seen the film Deliverance, yeah. mm-hmm. that is a film that starts out like it's going to be just a fun guy's weekend. These four friends go to the mountains and they go canoeing and they play a little banjo music with some of the locals. Well, it turns out that some of the locals are a bit crazy and uh, decide to harass them and things get violent. Oh yeah, yeah, and so that could some happen. other dark things that we can't really talk about. Right, right. Uh, so that could happen. Man versus man. Uh, this next one I've actually never seen, but I would love to. Uh, this is man versus animal. Oh yeah, it's a documentary called Grizzly Man. Oh yeah. And this man was a bear expert and bear lover. Living with a bear in Alaska. Went around filming all these bears and talking about how much he loved bears and that he would give his life for bears. And as it turns out, and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, he does end up giving his life for a bear. But it was at the hand of a bear. bear. 
Right. And, and, and video, uh, I, I think they didn't they find video footage of, of him his dying. last moments. Yeah. yeah. Tragic. Ooh. So, so I, hopefully, I don't think we have bears where you're going. Oh, good. I, I know we have mountain lions. Cougars. What? Yeah. Why do you have to put that in my head? Well, I just know we do. I just want you to, man versus lion, that's a whole other thing. Okay. Well, I'll be in a tent, and as you know, they're they're not allowed to come into tents uninvited. Oh, yeah. I'm going to actually show you a, a video before you leave of a lion licking a tent, licking the dew off of a tent. But if he's not invited, he can't come in. Oh, just sure. like vampires. Yeah, just you say, know. get out of here, lion. Yeah. Uh, the next one. This is man versus a mythical creature. Ooh. If you've ever seen the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. This is it's creepy. Three filmmakers that are going out into this wood into these woods to document the goings on of this wooded area that hope or, uh, supposedly has some kind of a legend about a witch. Oh yeah. And uh, this the movie the reason this movie was so big when it came out is really kind of the big first uh, movie in the wave of found footage films. And now we, we pretty much have Blair Witch Project to blame for the slew of found Every, footage films right, yeah, that we have. Because yeah. they're all found footage Thanks, now. Thanks, Blair Witch. Yeah. So you could be running through, <laughs> looking yeah. into a camera all night. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that'll be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully no witches no. in the mountains. Oh, no. Okay. And we are the, going with little scouts, though. So mm. yeah. The last one I had on here, Man versus Nature. Yeah. Did you see the film Everest? Yeah. Talk about a downer of a film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, hopefully the temperatures won't be that extreme. No, it's, that's, I had a, so I had two movies I chose. One was Everest, because I'm okay. pretty sure that's what it's going to feel like. Do I need to bring some oxygen? Uh, no, I don't think oxygen will be your problem. Except you are going to be in a tent with other people, and that might create oxygen issues. Actually, I'll just be in there by myself. Oh, oh The Boy Scouts right. of America right. don't allow you to. That's right. I thought anyway. you'd be in there with other adults, like a big tent, but maybe you're just going to. No. Um, so that's one thing, but it's going to be cold like that, and you could freeze to death, and we could maybe find you on a journey later. Not to scare you. Okay. I know these are camping mishaps, yeah. But I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to propel this notion that I'm not my, going to survive. No, you're going to survive. So okay. my other movie that really, and I don't know why, because I don't remember the movie really well, but it, to me, your night's going to be more like Harry meets the Hendersons. Harry, <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons. Harry and the Hendersons. Well, if my night included John Lithgow, no, nope. that would. Be so John fantastic. Lithgow won't be there. Just Harry. Harry. Uh, mm. Sasquatch. Bigfoot. He likes burgers. Uh, there is a Bigfoot Sasquatch in the mountains in American Fort Canyon. You're sure about this? Yes. Because my first scouting trip, okay. I heard it. I so, saw it. There's I'll, also snipes. Watch out. They're hard to get. Hmm. I, some might say that they're impossible to find. Some would. But I've had people in my scout troop that did find them. I just was never able to find them. So good luck to you, Jeff, and uh, count your toes, even the black one at the very end of your foot. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's that time. Uh, we're going to throw it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem, and find out what is coming up on their show just 10 minutes away. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, uh, sir. How are you both? Well, when it comes to BYU basketball... <laughs> oh, that, come on. We've both been a little bit better. Come on! That's this how we feel right now. This is the kind of emotion yeah. that has, uh, has been pulled yeah. out of Jerem Jordan because of the loss at Santa Clara. Last is he just sad? Is he down? Well, is he is he dejected? I'm not actually. I'm I'm cool. The San Diego loss was that one for me. I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> uh, we asked. This is our Twitter question today. Listen to this. what song best expresses your emotions about BYU basketball? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> someone it. said "Careless Whisper," <laughs> yeah. and then we're like, "I'm never gonna dance again." As oh, in the NCAA, wow. we're like, "Oh, snap! That that's great. really good." That's great. That's really I'm good. Never gonna dance again. Rest Hit in it. peace, George. Michael. Well, yesterday you guys said that, that this is a really long-running winning streak, and yeah. you must have sensed something coming. Now here's here's yes the and thing. No. Yeah, what well, well, we did say. Look, it this feels weird because Vegas made the line it's four. It's different. It's different this time around. And it was different. BYU has really <laughs> struggled on the road. Like crazy. We're going to talk about that coming up. What Good. We're not going to break down the Santa Clara game. We're going to talk about what's happening with this team on the road because they're 11 and 1 at home. They're 4 and 6 away from the Merritt Center. What's up with that? We're yeah. going to discuss that. Okay. Cuz okay. this is going to be good because I will be on the road later today and I want some advice. Of how I can play better on the road. Literally on the road. I will be on the road. Yeah. Did you guys uh, really quickly hear the news, um, the great news out of uh, the Twinkies plant? What's up? Hostess. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Twinkies is now in the ice cream business. Okay. And the Hostess, it turns out, is now taking not just the Twinkies brand, but a lot of other uh, of their of their delicious, yummy treats, uh, cupcakes, snowballs, as well as Twinkies, are all now going to be mixed into ice cream. Wow! And it will become Hostess Desserts ice okay. cream. I like I like the idea. So if you had to choose, I'd probably try it. What would you yeah. what what kind of ice cream dessert? What would you go with? Would you start with a Twinkie? Would you go with a snowball? I don't know that Twinkie is going to translate to an ice Ooh. cream flavor. I might go with snowball because I love coconut ice cream. Do you now? Yes. I don't know if it, uh, coconut like yeah like a sorbet. I've well, never had a. You've never had coconut ice cream? No, not in ice, not in creamy ice cream. No, like toasted coconut in ice cream. <sighs> oh, is that does unbelievably sound good. delicious. That does, and good for you. have the coconut flakes on top, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Plus, they're, they don't they have like the 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 cakey the the dark chocolate cake and then the cream. Yes. Oh boy, yes. And then a little. Okay, I'm going with snowballs. That sounds pretty good, right? Uh huh. And then you can always just you know put a ding dong or something on top. Cupcakes aren't a bad option either. No. Yeah. No. I mean, who who doesn't love a cupcake? What I don't want is like the cherry pie. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't want the cherry pie filling in, in my ice cream, in my hostess ice cream. What do you have against cherry pie? With the, the ice cream. The pies. I just don't like maraschino cherries. I understand. that filling. I know. I'm with you. Also, it's red. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. It's scary. <laughs> Scary. Hey, um, anything else on your show that we need to be paying attention to? Oh, other than just uh, the expression of emotion in song form about BYU basketball, (laughs) we do have three guests on the show today, including former BYU center Chris Miles, Mm. 
who won games in every road arena he played against in the Mountain West Conference. Well, he'll have insight. Yes. He'll tell you how to win. Yeah, Sheesh. we had him on last week. He brought some hot takes. We want some more of that fiery hot take action up here in Studio B on Friday from Chris Miles. <laughs> hot takes. Okay. We also have the head coach of BYU men's volleyball, third-ranked team in the country, Sean Olmstead. Wow. What is he looking forward to tonight? Why tonight's game against UC Irvine will be one to remember and why the series is unlike any other that BYU has played in the history of the program. Who's who's calling that? Who's who's on Jerem that? Jordan and Steve Vale. Jerome! Yeah, it should be fun tonight. <laughs> That'll be a great uh, night. Matchup. That's why you're not oh. talking as much tonight, right? You're saving your voice? Gotta, gotta save my voice. Yeah, rest it. Rest He's it. saving up for the careless whisper of saxophone. Sax player. Look what you've done. <laughs> Don't you have a drop? Still? We did, did you, you know what? It? Well, we're not allowed to drop as much. Drop it like it's hot. We've been they, 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 we've been overdropping. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, what? Once you Whoa. once you start That's overdropping, pretty personal. Then exactly. Then you gotta you know get that fixed. Anyway, we have a different sax song though. Here's a, here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is uh, Jeff. BYU basketball on the road. <laughs> this would actually work in a lot of ways. Four and six. Why would they win in Vegas if they can't win away now? We need to do a Friday. We seriously like Sports <laughs> Center. One of the greatest things that Sports Center does is the Friday not top ten. This is the perfect music for the not top ten. That is great music. They've got some work to do in February. Like you can't you can't talk seriously. Over no, this. no, this is awesome. So goofy. Brings wow. back good memories, doesn't it? Okay, I gotta let you go. You guys, I know you gotta go get shaved and waxed on and waxed off, all that. Matthew, shaved. Have a great weekend. Hey, try and fix your excessive dropping problem. I will. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry if it bothers you that I call you Matthew. No, I love it. I love you. You and my mom. That's it. Yeah, it's weird. I'm sorry. Matthew, Ricardo, Townsend, Montalban. Sometimes I'm just an idiot. I'm sorry. No, you're not an idiot, and we love you. And uh, <laughs> no, you're not good luck with your uh, good luck with your hostess ice cream. Thank you. Peace out, yo. Bye, bye, bye. The hostess with the mostess. Um, thank you for the uh, Ricardo Montalban drop. Do you remember those days? Yeah, he was Deep great. Lane. He Deep was. Lane. Well, I never saw that, but he was great in the Naked Gun. Oh, was he? He was the bad guy in the Naked Gun. Uh, the he first was. one. Well, that was Fantasy Island. I grew up on Fantasy Island, and here's a really important point. I wrote – so I'm a speaker. In fact, I'm leaving today to go speak, and I get paid to speak. Plus, I get paid to speak on the radio, so it's kind of weird. But my first speaking event, I wrote my church talk as an 8-year-old boy on – not probably a 9-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy – on a typewriter. Really? Wa- watching – I think it was Dukes of Hazard. Uh, some other show was on Friday night and then, um, no, it was Saturday night and, and no, Friday night was Dukes of Hazard, And then I, wa- and then I, I wrote, um, on Saturday night was, um, Fantasy Island. Wow. Oh, and the love boat. Isn't that crazy how we can remember what days of the week yeah. our favorite shows were on growing up? Cause I wrote, I wrote my first talk. I, I wrote it right there watching the love stories from love boat. <laughs> And the love stories from Fantasy Island and didn't quite have the spirit because I shouldn't have been watching those shows at that age. Were certain catchphrases from the shows making their way into your talk on accident? Mm -hmm. Totally. I can't bring them up because I didn't know what they meant back then. But the plane, the plane, that was tattoo. Whenever the plane would come landing uh, at Fantasy Island, 
And then Mr. Rourke, what was it? I think Mr. Rourke was his name. He'd come out and he'd say, places, everybody, places. And they'd all get lined up in their places. And then they'd meet everybody off of the airplanes. Fantastic. Sounds delightful. It was not just delightful. It was fantastic. As we wrap up, we like to do a hero story. Here's our hero of the day. An 89-year-old was too sick to live alone, so the grandson she never had invited her to move in. Listen to this. When Norma Cook, 89, immediately was immediately welcomed by Chris Salvatore, uh, 31, to the building after he moved in across the hall from her, he had a feeling that they would become friends. Neither one of them knew that five years later they'd be roommates. Cook, who has described Salvatore as the grandson she never had, has leukemia and spent two months in the hospital with pneumonia. Doctors said if she wanted to uh, go back to the home in Westwood, Holly, West Hollywood, California, she needed to have a nurse 24-7. So Salvatore set up a GoFundMe page for his friendly but sassy neighbor and soon realized it was uh, how expensive it would be to give her constant care. So instead, uh, he just invited her to move in with him, which she did. And now he takes care of her, and with some of the money that they've raised, they've been able to bring in some other nurses and others who are helping her through this difficult time of her life. So how cool is that? You see the need of a neighbor, somebody you didn't know, and five years later, you're inviting him into your home. That, my friends, is a hero, and you all can be one. We all can be one. So I challenge you this weekend to make it happen. Let's take care of those that are in need. And we'll meet again with you Monday. Be back, be, uh, be healthy, be happy, and we'll talk again Monday. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo.